0: We are back after a busy weekend of basketball transactions, starting with the inevitable departure of Carmelo Anthony from OKC, but I don't think any of us thought it would take this form or fashion
1: no that that was the big surprise here and really the comparison that's good to make here is the difference between carmel anthony being stretched because we all assumed with the money that he was owed that keeping him was untenable for oklahoma city so them stretching him trading him all that wasn't a surprise but by instead in the deal acquiring dennis Schroeder, Schroeder makes about 6.2 million more per season for each of next three because he's for this purpose it's actually fortunate that both the stretch and Schroeder's contract are flat makes it easier for the math so Schroeder makes about an extra 6.2 million per season over a stretch Carmelo Anthony and so that is a significant sum of money especially when you factor in the lecture tax repeater tax for this season which this reduces their bill but it doesn't reduce it over what they would have gotten for stretching Carmelo Anthony and so to me the most important part of this from Oklahoma City's perspective is not that Melo is gone it's that they made a pretty significant bet on Dennis
0: Schroeder yeah and they also threw in that pick for 2022 lottery protected just for that one year then it becomes the the second rounders to, to repeat that and you could look at it as you know hey they they had to dump you know over dennis Schroeder, about 12 million dollars in dead money over him and so maybe that's part of the cost but for just 12 million that's uh and it is also pushed out pretty far to 2022 because remember okc has that weird somewhat similar obligation from the jeremy grant trade where they have a top 20 protected 2020 second rounder which has uh, made its way to the orlando magic so you could think of that pick as payment for anthony but then also in part payment for getting back Schroeder and, and how much you want to divide that between okay here taking on Melo's dead salary taking on 12 million extra in dead salary for this year and then it seems to me like this deal slightly treats Schroeder as an, an asset on that contract going forward do you see it that way also
1: i see it that way in this trade i do not agree yeah. with the thunder that Schroeder's remaining contract is a
0: positive asset <laughs> no well and i'm of two minds about it's that. not hugely right.
1: negative though it's it's not i mean so there's this this kind of weird thing with schroeder and i i've been battling through this i also talked about it with tim BonTEMPS for real jam radio for those who want to listen to that take on it about th- this is is different where it's not as bad you know 15.5 million for a year for a guy who's kind of in the somewhere let's say around the 25th best point guard you know that's not a terrible bit of money i think what scared other teams off of this most notably phoenix and orlando both of whom need a point guard depending on how phoenix structures their roster is the duration of this contract that even though schruder is young he's 24 years old basically committing money for those future years everybody has stars in their eyes about 2019 and 2020 summers that that was a little bit intimidating and so i understand a team that doesn't have payroll flexibility for those years not being as intimidated but oklahoma city was not in that wiggle room space where oh we're we don't have cap flexibility to spend to get new free agents but we're also below the tax team is a little bit more expensive than that so this is probably an asset play saying hey we're he's better than everybody like than than the price that atlanta was trying to get for him but i still think they overvalued him within the context of this trade
0: yeah and Shooter in a vacuum, I think he's more valuable than he was in practice, right? Because we were talking about him in the sense of, well, who really needs a starting point guard and wants to trade for this guy? The universe of teams there seems somewhat limited, right? The Magic, the Suns, they're rebuilding. You mentioned the length of the contract. shooter is the kind of guy where you get him and he's an okay stopgap, but then where are you really going with him as one of your top two creators? You know, probably not that far, right? Now he could still get better. And so bringing him in in this role seems to make some sense, although I would like it a lot better if he weren't so bad defensively. You know, I mean, the contest to see who does a worse job of guarding spot-up shooters, Schroeder or russell westbrook will be a very interesting one to keep track of uh, over the next couple of years but it does give them one more guy who can do something off the dribble which they had kind of needed with anthony and and lost but in theory comfortable coming off the bench uh one thing that i don't like about it as much is that shooter is not really tough defensively either in the way that westbrook is so if they want to switch at the end of games i don't know how useful he's going to be a lot of it too is going to be an interesting well all right is robertson going to close games or is shooter going to Close games, they'll be back in this offense defense conundrum that is so plagued this franchise, really. You know, going back six or seven years trying to find someone to play next to their stars, where it's either offense or defense, and they don't have a, a guy who's two way. Um, so i don't know i i, I don't really think that shooter helps them that much especially they already had raymond felton who i thought was adequate at backup point guard now felton is kind of more insurance there i think uh, the way that this deal has been spun is kind of the same way that the Allen crab deal was spun right of like okay we're trading away some dead salary in this case the comparison that's made is the amount that it would have cost had mellow been stretched at about nine million and shooter makes 15 so you're basically oh you're paying just six million a year for shooter right like that's kind of the thinking but you know I haven't found that to be that compelling when you look at it the same way as with the Crab Nicholson deal
1: I think that's a healthy way to, to consider it. Also, one of the big questions that I have with this deal is so if Schroeder is a backup point guard, you know, we have seen what he can do with an offense, and you know, if you playing against weaker opposing talent is there, but if you want to play him with Westbrook, one of the reasons that I'm skeptical of this trade is not the idea of getting somebody in that formerly Reggie Jackson mold of a guy who can back up a point guard and then play a little bit with Westbrook. It's why it was Schroeder specifically, because he hasn't really done that in his career. And then when you look at some of the personality issues that that are there as well. I mean, so last year I had the stat in in a piece for The Athletic, less than one fifth of Schroeder's shots came catch and shoot or off screens. And that's a a reasonable approximation for off ball kind of stuff for a guy like Schroeder. And he didn't make a ton of those shots last year. I think it was 38%. Now it is worth noting that he was a lot better in catch and shoot circumstances in previous years. You don't want to take a small sample size and read a lot into it. But I'm thinking more in terms of the game concerns that it's just not something he's done. So if you're going to bet on a guy saying oh he can do x probably better to have somebody where you have more experience of them doing x when you're paying yeah
0: i, I think that's true in fairness to shooter there was basically no one else on the team to set him up last year but i agree he, he's right. not some great off-ball guy and shooter it was inefficient last year uh 52 true shooting and there's also the concern that he might take shots out of the hands of some of their better players in westbrook and george if he is playing at the end of games but yeah and and is if he were just a little bit more of a two-way player although then you know he wouldn't have been available obviously in a deal like this and so uh how about we do a read here and then we can talk about this uh from the hawks standpoint and that read is from hymns.com Hymns is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and sexual wellness for men and those are categories which traditionally on the internet it's been difficult to actually like find out whether these things really work right but these are actual prescription solutions that are backed by science but you don't have to actually go to a doctor's office anymore you don't have to spend the money on that visit you don't have to spend the time more importantly as well there's no waiting room you just answer a few quick questions a doctor will review and can prescribe you what you need and everything will be sent directly to your door i actually I'm 38 now. I started losing my hair around 25 and I started taking Propecia at that point. And, and uh, with that chemical help, the troops have done a pretty decent job of fighting back and, uh, maintaining the battle lines. And now, though Hims is a much cheaper and easier way to get that for me, I, I think it's a, a wonderful service. The way to get started with them: forhims.com/capspace. That's f r h i m s dot com/capspace. You can get a trial month of everything you need to keep your hair for just five dollars while supplies last. See their website for full details. But forhims.com/capspace. That slash capspace URL. Easy to remember. We talk about it all the time on the program. And that slash cap space URL will let them know that you came from us. So uh, I thought Atlanta did pretty well here.
1: I did too. I thought Atlanta accomplished their goals reasonably well. So, I mean, they, I think it's good to look at the Jeremy Lin trade in the context of this for a couple different reasons. So, one is the the idea that, oh, well, trading for Lin makes Schroeder a must trade or whatever. Well, they probably already had the structure of this there. And also because now they didn't have enough cap space to do the trade that Brooklyn ended up with. As I understand the numbers, I haven't gone through all the way, but I, I believe that they would not have been able to make both of those deals. To, to get Jeremy Lin and to do the mellow trade. And so I think this is a better use of resources, in all honesty, because Schroeder certainly could end up being either a better value, I think that's more reasonable to expect, or a positive value on this contract in the future. But Atlanta didn't need to take that risk. There wasn't really much of a benefit for them, even though they might not be big free agent players in the summer of 2019, just getting out of that money, getting out of that commitment, a player who they didn't really see as a part of their present or their future and would not have been happy with that dynamic dynamic so to get him out of there and to avoid any future obligation for them is is great i think this is a, a very good deal for them and helps contextualize a big criticism that i had last week
0: right and we thought hey where are they going to send schroeder because you know the teams that need a point guard are, are too early in their rebuilds to really uh have much use in a lower ceiling option like him at point guard so finding it out here is impressive considering that that goes through 2020 And now you could still say, well, wouldn't they rather have just done that deal with the Nuggets to get that top 12 protected pick? Like There's a decent chance Oklahoma City could be in the lottery in 2022, which uh, would certainly be a disappointment considering the massive tax bill that OKC is locked into now, though obviously they still have more moves to make with maybe Kyle Singler or maybe with Patrick Patterson. Going forward here, I also thought it was a good piece of business uh, as part of this trade to move on from Mike Muscala, who, you know, actually I think could be a quality backup center option for the five million that he was due this year, but uh, another lower ceiling guy, and they have plenty of centers on the roster, and then they're, they're able to pick up Justin Anderson. I don't know if we can use the Hawks University. Moniker anymore because basically everyone who created that Atkinson, Coach Bud, even even the management at the time it is gone. So although Torian Prince is making some nice strides in Hawks University, but I don't think very many people uh, with the new coaching staff are, are there anymore. But uh, Anderson certainly is that type of moldable, moldable clay that they would have liked uh back in those days so certainly i think he needs to get back into better shape the way he was his rookie year and i think he's put on some weight and, and had some injury concerns uh but getting him uh, as basically a no-cost flyer here I thought was good I guess we didn't talk about how OKC got uh, TLC in this trade as well we should probably mention him a little bit
1: yeah I, I like that they got him I mean it's totally on for Presti to get an athletic two guard who's better at the D part than the three part in my opinion though I actually was intrigued by some of the stuff he did with the ball in his hands there was that little bit of time in Philly where he got a little bit more run and I'm higher on TLC than most and that's actually why I'm critical of this move for Philly not to necessarily put the cart in front of the horse, but I, I think that they, they sold early on Anderson and TLC, and I don't think is worth it. I know other people disagree. A capable shooter at Muscala's size who isn't awful defensively is valuable. I just see him as like a, a luxury item for them, and there's a chance that TLC or Anderson has a wonderful summer where they have an injury at the swingman spots, and it's a whole hell of a lot harder to find somebody at the minimum there than it is to find a big
0: yeah I, I we'll we'll get to the philly component a little bit more here we're, we're slightly disjointed but atlanta just overall i mean it seems like i've really liked about 75 percent of what they've been doing uh although certainly the trey young for Luka Doncic trade is one that's going to be scrutinized for years to come going forward we won't really know the answer on that for many years to come but you know the dwight trade was kind of weird this lynn trade was kind of weird but then they come back with what seems like a pretty brilliant move uh, to me in terms of moving on uh, from shooter who is an artifact of the previous regime and uh picking up this first rounder as well to do that uh So I think overall, they've done well. I think the overall path is a good one. I've disagreed with a few of the steps that they've made, but they seem to to be doing pretty well here. And then, you know, we'll see, you know, Lloyd Pierce is a total uh, unknown. We'll see what kind of a coach he turns out to be. We've got to see where Trey Young is. But at least now, you know, having moved on from Schroeder, they've avoided the awkwardness and uh, RIP to, oh, those two guys can play together, (laughs) which is always one one (laughs) one of the most uh amusing tropes whenever a point guard higher ceiling point guards gets drafted underneath uh an incumbent point guard who uh doesn't have as much potential
1: well the other part that i do like about what schlenk has done is the kind of the honesty in their approach of understanding okay this is going to take a while so they're moving guys who don't really make sense with it either financially or personality wise they're they're getting rid of that and, and straight and streamlining this a little bit while getting developmental wings getting developmental guys that basically every position and i assume they're going to play those young guys Bazemore is still a question mark here but i'm sure Bazemore's remaining contract is one of the mitigating factors and having some vets is certainly a good thing and Bazemore, i could imagine as being a a valuable piece in a locker room who could still end up having he could have a really nice year and and be a part of this too so you don't you don't have to clear the decks entirely sometimes people are too aggressive about that as long as you're still bad it's fine and i think they'll they'll still be plenty bad
0: yeah i mean with a rookie point guard this year it's uh it's gonna be pretty rough but well
1: should we talk about yeah we should since we're already talking about and and this is another one that i would put in that kind of 25 percent, as you put it of of deals not necessarily because alex len is a bad player but it was a misread of the market like you don't have to give every center four million dollars a year for two years and it looks like this is kind of around the room exception we don't know the exact terms yet but that seems like what it is and my first thought when this signing happened was i'm like oh maybe they found somebody to take on Dwayne deadman because there was no real reason to have both of those guys when john Collins can play some center. You are not really trying to be good anyway, and so I think this this isn't so much like a bad contract for Alex Len as much as it appears to be a misread on the market. Considering there are still capable guys who I like a little bit less than Len, considering how young he is, that are probably going to get the minimum and already have gotten them
0: yeah i i mean len obviously has size he's had some moments uh, every once in a while in his career he's a, a solid rebounder but this just doesn't really seem like that high of an upside contract you know i mean the, the most they could go is two years because it's going to be some portion of the room ex- exception presumably um is that second year guaranteed do we know that i don't know
1: for sure but i believe that it yeah. is that is that i, I think the kind of the stuff that was coming out at the time went that direction but like we haven't we haven't gotten that official like the terms are blank
0: yeah so and there's just so many other guys that, on the board here that i probably would have gone there i mean i would i would have rather tried like noah Vonley than alex len for example i just don't think that len fits in with what they're trying to do yo Vonley at least has the ability to switch a little bit i would have rather have you know, throwing this money at like a Ty Wallace or a Patrick McCaw or someone like that. Just a a wing with a a little bit more of an upside there. So uh, that would be one that that I would be again questioning i i just don't really see the upside of this even if len somehow turns out now they will have early bird rights on him after two years if he goes really well you could maybe re-sign him uh but i'm just not that much of a believer in len as a modern player and already at 25 as well it just it, either you think len is good now and he's gonna just help you win games and block some of your younger guys like john collins for example or uh you know he he. you view him as an upside play but then he's 27 after this and you're still not going to be any good so it just i don't really see the point of this compared to maybe someone that you could develop that might be a little bit more modern and more likely to be a part of what you're doing in, in a couple of years I mean, i'll not think it's a terrible signing but it, i think that they could have gone in maybe a little different of a direction especially with all the centers they already have
1: yeah agreed there do you want to talk about philly first or do you want to talk about mellow next
0: yeah let's do philly here i i think that's interesting you know they had a roster crunch um which they also solved in part uh with uh, a trade for phoenix moving on from Rashawn holmes um but now Philly at fifteen guys, they also opened up cap space to sign Jonah Bolden to a four-year deal. The last two years non-guaranteed. I assume it's pretty close to the minimum in the first couple of years. uh they needed cap space to sign him to that four-year deal, and of course uh, they got Mascala uh, as well. So uh, he does give them a little bit more of a stretch element with Nemanja Bialica reneging on his deal to join the Kings, which we'll talk more about as well. So I think having a stretch option is good. I think they felt like they needed two legitimate experience centers and with Holmes, you know, they didn't really trust him to contribute defensively in the playoffs. Muscala is a little bit more solid there and can spread the floor, which is always nice to have. I think that he, I think maybe his stretch element is a little overrated because he's kind of more of a corner guy as a three point shooter. Doesn't have the quickest release. He's kind of more of a made rather than born three point shooter. You know, he's not going to really ha- have much versatility to his jump shot, but you know, he can stand in the corner on offense and, and shoot some threes and hit him at a decent percentage. It's uh, and then Holmes is going into the last year of his. Deal, probably wasn't going to be someone that they trusted a ton but yeah you know and, and i think they felt like they needed a consolidation trade I, i'm just you know i just not muscala is just not that sexy to me i mean to give up essentially rashawn holmes tlc justin anderson granted probably none of those guys are going to contribute next year but they're also guys who, who might have some upside and then to just get back muscala and then bring in bolden who presumably they had promised they would bring him in when they drafted him last year in the second round um, uh, but uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure that that's really a, an upgrade, and they're paying more money now.
1: There was also this weird bit of the of. Phillies transactions this league year this offseason where if they hadn't signed Amir Johnson early then they would have had enough space and they wouldn't have had to dump Rashawn Holmes and so again it's kind of an asset management thing I I don't losing Rashawn Holmes is not devastating though it is funny in that oh kind of if you want to think about it in the overall transaction with with Brooklyn and the Suns as well if you want to think of it as one transaction that Brooklyn got the assets even though they even though the player that the Suns kind of wanted was Rashawn Holmes that's something worth noting but they could have gotten Jonah Without giving up Rashawn Holmes, if they had timed these differently, I wanted to, at some point to yeah. talk about that with the Nuggets transactions. Uh, 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 although we and so, should
0: say, though, that with all of the players apparently backing out of deals at some point, like maybe you just want to get the guy inked.
1: <laughs> maybe. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's July do. 23rd,
0: you know, I mean, you, you kind of. You can have guys string it out. Well, for but they a,
1: signed. They signed. They signed Amir a while ago. Yeah. Like they and he's at the minimum. But that that was just just having him ink. They could have done Jonah Bolden a while ago too. Actually, that wouldn't have been a problem. So, uh, maybe they were. I well, think but, they were probably they, still they negotiating. they they needed to.
0: The, yeah, with Bolden though, they wanted to just like since he would have taken cap space. I think they felt like they needed to uh, to wait on that. But yeah, I, I, you know, at some point you you can't just have guys like hanging out there until august even when you have a verbal agreement but i, I agree with you it might have been nice if they knew this was coming but maybe they didn't know that this was coming so that's uh at some point you got to just sign the guy it's just when that is when you're asking him to do you a favor uh is a uh, interesting question i guess
1: yeah, and as I mentioned this briefly, but I want to just reiterate it. I don't like cutting bait early on on guys' that positions of value. So TLC and Anderson, it's entirely possible that they would have been cut like that that in this roster crunch weapon. But for me, that three months of time that they would have that they would have picked up by waiting, and you never know how guys are going to develop if somebody's going to get hurt. That has value to me, and that value now is in Oklahoma City. That value is now in Atlanta, and we'll we'll see where it goes from those teams' perspective. It, it, it's one of those things where it might end up being nothing, but this is say you know they the risk and the benefit that come from every transaction is is there but now we can talk about Cameron Anthony someone we basically didn't mention throughout this and Melo is a winner in all of this because he through his no trade clause was basically able to wield the power to say I'm getting all of my money because he could say if you want to move me I'm only going to go to somewhere where I'm going to get all of my money and he got all of his money and now he gets to choose his team
0: yeah and that team by all accounts will this trade is still not officially yeah but that trade by all accounts will be or that team by all accounts will be the houston rockets for the minimum so now the rockets have gone with james Ennis and mellow replacing luke Mute and trevor risa it's not impossible that those two players could give them more than what they had got last year, especially maybe in the regular season. Uh, but in the playoffs, especially going against Golden State, Mellow just to me provides such an open sore defensively to pick at i do expect that Melo will play better this season than he did in OKc last year he just shot apparently low on open jump shots which he actually had shot pretty well on in his career before that um he does give maybe one more option to attack switches as well for Houston getting into the post where you know maybe he's not incredibly efficient but he can still create a, a shot against a smaller Defender they didn't really have any kind of a post-up option to attack switches it was more kind of top isos between Paul and and harden so i think that could be useful and again i think mellow is a little bit underrated now offensively just because he had such a weirdly poor season in okc last year maybe that's just who he is but i think he can bounce back just a little bit there now they still have not used their mini mid-level there don't really appear to be any players who and remember everyone was like oh well part of the reason they're holding on to their mini mid-level is so they can get Melo. Well, mellow's gonna sign for the minimum now so maybe this can put them in command in the buyout market or perhaps more likely they will just pocket that luxury tax savings their tax bill will still be significant uh once they bring back Clint capella who they are also in uh rather heated negotiations it seems like uh, with him trying to get him for uh as inexpensively as possible but you know I, I mean think of where they could be right now they could be better than last year right now uh on paper presumably capella will sign eventually but if they'd used the meme level and they they just brought back and bought Mute for the same amount he signed with for the clippers or maybe slightly beaten that offer you'd think he would have wanted to stay there he had the best year of his career last year probably for a better team but they didn't want to pay that and so they still are worse off although i i think if they hadn't been able to get james dennis for the minimum i think they would have been in real trouble. i think Dennis can really help them but we'll see you know he doesn't have quite the track record of the guys who left um Uh, Anything else to add on on this from uh, Houston's perspective?
1: Well, so I I think one of my big concerns about Melo on the Rockets is that what he adds conceptually to a team isn't really that valuable in Houston. They have really effective shot creation. And what he takes off the table is really important to the Rockets. So there was this identification problem. You and I talked about this a little bit when we did OKC's offseason preview that there is a place for Melo to help a team. It just seems like he doesn't want to go to the type of teams that he would be useful on and so then that puts the impetus on the franchises themselves to say either a we don't want to sign him or b we can sign him but we have to put him in the in the right box and that was a challenge that oklahoma city had i still think that was the right decision to acquire him for and Canner because Canner just was duplicative on that team and you know even though he was cheaper like
0: it was it was a worthy and game we didn't know oklahoma that Melo was going to suck that bad offensively last year
1: right like he was on the lower end he was on the lower end of his outcomes last year and i still think it was it was absolutely a worthy game Gamble. now in hindsight it gets a little different but that's not a, a good way to evaluate a lot of these necessarily and so yeah i, th- I think that you know, for OKC, they they tried it. It didn't work out. They were able to, you know, they were able to get out of it. They got out of it a little differently than I expected. And yeah, I, I'm just not a huge fan of the fit with the Rockets. And like, it, it's it's funny to go through all of this, like, as somebody who was beating the drum last year saying the Rockets are a bigger contender, and people being like, oh, we'll see. And then now it's like, well, they got a lot worse. And then those some of those same people who were critical then are like, oh, no, they're still really good. It's you know, it's I have my feeling. You can disagree. I don't really care. That's fine. And also one. Thing Thing on that is i don't care that luke rashad and Mute was bad in the playoffs he had a hurt shoulder that is not indicative of predictive of future performance yeah, n- nor is Trevor saying, Lisa, oh, like
0: missing a bunch of three-pointers in game seven
1: right like you can evaluate players on more than what they did in their last couple games we have a wealth of information on both of those players and they're fit with the rockets they're fit with other teams to say this is how it would have gone and that's what we do in our analysis
0: yeah and there are some who might say oh you guys you put such so an emphasis on playoff performance well there are things about playoff performance that uh, i think are repeatable and are not right if, if someone just shoots really badly on wide open threes due to random chance in the playoffs when they shoot well during the regular season i'm probably going to discount that right if we're talking about hey here's how well someone defended in the playoffs uh then that's a little bit different right i think that's a little bit more repeatable it has a little bit more predictive value and trevor ariza it was an excellent defensive player and then in the case of luke you know he had this shoulder injury and maybe there's some evidence that he, that's just going to continue continue to plague him and he should have surgery and he's not having it or something but you know I, i'm willing to say it's more likely than not that he would be healthy and, and be able to actually like make a layup uh in next year's playoffs uh where would you like to go next year, danny
1: let's go to marcus smart so marcus smart after protracted negotiations of his own signed a four-year 52 million dollar deal with the boston celtics this is significant for a couple of different reasons one it puts boston a little bit over the luxury tax threshold i have them after they waived up Ob- Nader with his partial guarantee I have them about two million over that line they could I think they'll probably try to get under it not because they're cheap but because that counts for the repeater tax this team looks like they might be expensive for a long long time because of all these good young guys they have so maybe they they try to push that out there are a series of different ways they can do it but back to smart certainly a talented player and a a good fit with what they have and I think the right lens to look at this is sure he's going to provide a lot of value this year but Boston a lot of fungibility flexibility after this season because that's when Kyrie and Al Horford are are have player options and could presumably both be unrestricted free agents. So then you sit there and go, okay, well, if they need to clear cap, if they need to do any number of things, Marcus Smart will have three years and 40 million left. And so the question that I had for you, I've been thinking about a little bit, but I don't have a great answer myself is at three years and 40 million after this year, do you think that passes the 90 test? Is that player plus contract overall an asset?
0: I think there's certainly a possibility if he can show some growth offensively this year, whether it's as a, a playmaker finishing at the rim, playing a, more as a backup point guard Uh, they're gonna have brad wanamaker as well but presumably smart will get the first chance playing backup point guard and then if the outside shooting comes along a, a little bit is what we know that he is i mean i think if to me i think he is the best one two defender in basketball especially because he can switch as well but he can really guard ones and twos and get into it and make their lives pretty miserable he can chase guys around screens he can get over screens he can switch he's really intense you know so that has a lot of value it's just a question of how far along he comes offensively i mean if he could look like a lower end starting point guard offensively and he's that good defensively now you really got someone and he does pass that it's just a, so he's got to show some growth offensively that growth has been somewhat limited uh over the first three seasons of his career but i think this is a, a decent deal we talked about this you know the way we felt about it when it broke in the middle of our podcast before so we don't need to hit it too much here uh but i think this is a fine fair deal for both sides and also provides that mid-range salary fodder for boston if they want to try to make a trade because you know if they really wanted to get a big salary on the team they would have to move either horford irving or hayward at, at this point but now between smart they got marcus morris you know obviously smart can't be traded until january january 15th because he's re-signed with uh full bird rights but uh, and then you throw in a few more minimum guys you could probably get enough cash together in terms of salary matching to bring in a star from another team uh and then yeah
1: oh, one, one quick thing i want to mention is you talked about backup point car we also have to talk about terry rosier who i think is the the favorite for that spot but you can play rosier and smart
0: together yeah if you want. boy man I, I uh i just had my bachelor party this weekend so i'm uh i'm not quite as on it <laughs> as uh i know hey, that's
1: that's fine people people will under people will understand and we i, I mentioned abdul nader so i have it that his salary was partially guaranteed for four hundred. 50000 until August 1st. What surprises me about this is not necessarily that Boston cut him. It's that considering how close I mentioned they are to the luxury tax threshold, that they couldn't find a trade partner kind of doing something like what happened with Dakari Johnson. We'll talk about that Dakari Johnson for Rodney Purvis, where OKC basically just paid another team to take on his salary. My theory on why that might've been a challenge is because of the partial guarantee and the fact that Nader is not eligible to be traded using the minimum exception was that they would have required to find a team, with space in the trade exception, unless he gets claimed off waivers, which is possible too. And that just might have made it a harder thing to happen. But we'll see if that, you know, little bit of 450,000, if that ends up mattering. It might, but I'm guessing they'll be clean either
0: way. All right, we got to get to the wait, wait, wait. We had a deal portion of the program. But first, this from Sea Geek time was especially if you're someone who's so concentrated on getting the best possible deal the way i am that buying tickets was kind of difficult and time consuming because you're always wondering all right is there a better site that i could be going to and oh if what if this seat which is three rows further back but five dollars less expensive is that a better deal than this other one Well, SeatGeek see takes away all that anxiety and fomo with ticket buying, they aggregate ticket selling sites together. So you've got it in one place on their app and then they grade every ticket based on value. You just look for that big dark green dot and you'll see that it'll just release a few endorphins for you. Because you know you're getting the best deal in that section. And you can use SeatGeek for basically every type of live event, concerts, last minute, comedy, obviously sports as well. SeatGeek will help you find the best seats at the best prices. And their tickets are fully guaranteed. Best of all, if you are a first time SeatGeek user, and I don't know why that'd be the case since they've actually been sponsoring the show. They're the first ever sponsor of the pod over three years ago. But if you are a first-time user, enter that cap space code and you can get $20 off your first purchase. That could be a pretty large percentage of your tickets, depending on what it is. So once again, the free Seeky app. download that, enter that familiar promo code, cap space today to let them know that you came from us. So this was really weird. In Dallas, Yogi Ferrell had a $2.9 million qualifying offer the mavs withdrew that qualifying offer which made sense because they could still have his full bird rights or i'm sorry his early bird rights which is plenty to sign him but his cap hold it would be the moon because he's coming off a minimum contract your cap hold as a restricted free agent is the larger of your normal cap hold or the qualifying offer in this case his qualifying offer was 2.9 million and it was bigger so now they actually got more cap space all right that all made sense right And presumably they had this agreement with him. They're going to re-sign him for a, a good salary to make it worth his while to have them withdraw the qualifying offer make him unrestricted. And it was reported as a two-year, $5.3 million deal with the second year non-guaranteed. But then somehow the first year salary was less than his qualifying offer would have been. And he got stuck with a second non-guaranteed year on the end, which would have had a guaranteed date of July 7th. And so I don't know whether like his agent, uh, Servando Tejeda realized, saw some criticism on the internet or something like that. But it's obviously a terrible deal, right? Like you'd much rather just have just take the qualifying offer and then be free after next year although he would still be a restricted free agent but then to have that second non-guaranteed year tacked on the end which you know either you're going to get locked into a below market salary or the team's just going to cut you right you always say that you assume when there's some sort of an option or a non-guarantee the team will make the rational decision so it really was a terrible deal for him but to perhaps his credit although when you have an agreement you should probably stick to it but nonetheless he realized that there might be a better deal out there for him and he took it
1: yeah and the other part of the Kings of, of the of the Mavericks offer that we should mention is since they had his early bird rights, there wasn't really a constraint here in terms of offering him a little bit more. I mean, for theoretically for a second season, if there was a non guarantee or something else, then yeah, that that would be there. But in terms of 2018 19 salary, up to a much larger number, Mavericks could have done that without really suffering any ill consequences. And so Sacramento jumped in and they gave Yogi Farrell a two year, six point two million dollar deal. I do not know i don't know if you've seen anything i, I it, on whether that second year is guaranteed i thought it wasn't guaranteed but then now i'm not completely sure on that we'll have to i haven't seen the official terminology on it and part of the reason we haven't seen that yet is because it looks like the feral signing is going to come with the with the room exception should sacramento use more of their space so we might just be waiting a little bit for the firm ter- for the firm terms on that
0: yeah and continuing uh, the theme I, I guess we should talk about Ferrell's spit in sacramento a little bit you know they've already got year in Fox as a starting point guard presumably Farrell will be in competition with Frank Mason for the backup point guard job there and I think Farrell is a, a lot better than Mason Mason looked good last year but you know wasn't really efficient as it turned out uh and they don't really need anything extra at the two where Farrell is also but he apparently was promised the backup shooting guard spot with the Mavs so it makes a lot more sense I think for him to go to Sacramento where he's got the inside track on the backup point guard uh position as well as a way to build himself s- some value um go- and then you know if that full two-year contract gets played out then he'll be an unrestricted free agent with four years of experience and he was an, o- an older rookie so it's important for him to be able to get out there have his one bite at the apple in unrestricted free agency be as early as possible most likely and that will be in that fateful 2020 summer when you know there should be a, a lot of space out there but uh Feldman had a great tweet he was like oh I found Vlade is free agent Target list and it was just like a list of like all the agreed to transactions that like hadn't actually been signed yet. <laughs> because uh whether it was before or after Bielitza reneged on his deal with Philly, Vlade divac convinced Bielitza to come to Sacramento
1: yeah and so Bielitsa got a two or sorry a three-year 20.5 million dollar deal why I said two is because only the first two years are fully guaranteed third years non-guaranteed and so that means it's more money per season and obviously more seasons than Philly was going to offer now Philly is a much better situation in terms of winning but from his interview with John Krasinski who has covered Bielitsa if, since he was playing in Minnesota part of what he wanted was stability and while Sacramento is not necessarily the most stable front off like you know in the world in terms of having a multi-year contract and everything else, he and and he will definitely have an opportunity because their front court is shallow. I mean, depending on who they actually play and everything like that, ICB elites are more as a four than a three. Sacramento yeah. is a little bit overstuffed. He, he actually had more success than
0: would have been expected last year at the three when Jimmy Butler was out. But I yeah. agree with you; it's better to have him at the four, and, and at least you know right. there is some possibility of the you know who plays at the three. I mean, they would have to bring Justin Jackson, or maybe they'd go with three guard lineups. Depending depending on the opposition but they at least do have a stretch four option now on this team. Marvin Bagley's jumper didn't look particularly ready in summer league. Uh um you know maybe they'll have the ability to uh play some four out lineups now uh, finally uh, that at least to have that option even though it's it's still you know there's a lot of guys who don't really fit into their nominal positions that well in Sacramento.
1: And one thing that makes sense about both of these signings for Sacramento is that they do not have their own first round pick this year. It is owed most likely to the Boston Celtics though theoretically Philly could get it if it is number one and then, then Philly sends Boston the Sixers own pick and that means there's no incentive to tank I mean you still I, I, people always think oh well if you don't have an incentive to tank that means you need to push as hard for every win you can get and that's not true team you you just you just don't concern yourself with losing games intentionally to maximize your draft pick you can still play your young guys you can still emphasize whatever is best for your team moving forward it's just that you don't have the same pressures in place and so getting Getting Bielita, getting Yogi Ferrell, two guys that can actually play on contracts that I think are totally reasonable, that helps. And Sacramento, I don't know exactly what they're intending to do with the remaining cap space after that horrendous offer sheet to Zach Levine, which fortunately for them got matched. I don't know exactly what they want to do with this. We, we don't know exactly what the opportunity cost is. But Sacramento, at this point in time, they they have 16 guaranteed contracts on, on their books. They could easily just cut Deontay Davis or returning King Ben McLemore and get to 15 like this is not a circumstance where it's a roster crunch because they can just clean it up pretty easily but that also changes the way they think about their remaining cap space because they're probably not looking for guys that are going to be on their roster they're probably looking maybe to to take on a salary in a dump of a player who they don't want to make the roster and they can still do that but it's just you're looking for something a little bit different
0: yeah they still got what about 14 million or so left now depending on the exact specifics with uh with Belita.
1: yeah i would say that's a, a pretty fair approximation of where it is
0: couple of smaller ones here you mentioned this uh, deal from okc to orlando dakari johnson had gotten a two-year guaranteed deal after having spent time with the okc blue in the g league it seemed like the initial deal when he was drafted in the second round was hey stick around in the g league and then we'll sign you to an nba deal that's fully guaranteed for two years they did but johnson really just a a post-up type center from a bygone era too slow Uh, he actually started some games for them last year uh when Steven Adams uh, was out but uh, with New Orleans Noel in the fold uh, all the additional depth OKC has uh, Johnson really uh, um They're looking for a way to save some luxury tax money. So they bring back Purvis, who is non-guaranteed. You imagine that he will be waived. Uh, And because Johnson was only on a two-year deal, they're able to trade him to Orlando. Orlando could just take him in uh, as a minimum contract, send back Purvis. They didn't have to guarantee Purvis's salary so that he could count for matching purposes. They could just take in the minimum contract of Johnson without having to send back matching salary. And so that's why they're able to do this uh, low-level cost-cutting move. Let's talk about the uh, the Phoenix-Brooklyn trade now, Danny
1: yeah this is definitely an interesting one so phoenix made a move to clear a little bit of cap space they sent jared dudley makes nine and a half million for darrell arthur who brooklyn had acquired in the bigger trade with denver where they secured a first round a protected first round pick dudley is a better player a significantly better player but makes that two million more that gave the wiggle room to the suns to get rashawn holmes so presumably he could be a part of their backup rotation and for their trouble brooklyn got a twenty. 21 second round pick in this deal which is awesome for them because if you, you think about the i'd be granted they could theoretically do tank if they want but they got a better player it the opportunity cost to them was nil because they're still miles and miles under the luxury tax line and they got a, a, a second round pick which could end up being valuable we have it's protected 31 to 35 but we have no idea where the Suns are going to be a couple of years down the line and so yeah a, a, a really good trade for sean marks and we don't even know what jared W you know theoretically maybe they buy him out at the deadline or whatever but a good vet to have a piece in their front court rotation and either way they got a second round pick for just costing ownership a couple million dollars
0: yeah we'll see whether dudley can still play in a larger role the the suns somehow managed to have these unbelievable plus minus numbers at least compared to their putrid overall marks the last couple of years when dudley was playing despite the fact that he uh whatever athleticism he once had uh, is now uh, long gone by the wayside But I think he, as someone who's about to be a free agent, is going to try to reestablish his career to some degree. And I mean, the only concern right now for the Nets is that they, I mean, I have to really think about them too. They just have so many guys on this team now. Uh, But the only concern for them is that they might end up being like a little bit too good uh, this season and not really getting the chance at that transformational star in the draft. Uh, And then for the Suns, you know, getting Rashawn Holmes basically for nothing, just a, a million bucks in cash. They opened up the cap space. To get him, I I think that's solid. Holmes isn't going to help their defensive problems, but is a solid offensive center who can get up for some alley oops, get on the offensive glass. He'll block shots, but his defensive awareness and defensive rebounding haven't really developed. That still leaves them with Tyson Chandler around as well. You have to imagine he's a potential buyout trade candidate uh where does this leave marquise chris i mean you have to imagine that both he and dragon bender are going to be on the fringes of the rotation at this point because they got all these threes that are kind of you know a little bit better as fours in a lot of ways uh but i mean it's just a free talent acquisition and the other nice thing about holmes is he'll have a minimum cap hold next summer so if they wanted to use cap space and then bring him back as the backup center you know on a lower level deal that's uh, above the minimum they'll be able to do that but it won't actually hurt their cap space for next year so i think that's part of the value of Holmes as well is if you can develop into someone you feel confident about as the backup center this year you can bring him back with no opportunity cost in terms of 2019 cap space
1: this will be a conversation for a different day but file in the back of your mind the idea of f- the fourth year option decisions on bender and marquise chris one or both of those and we'll talk about that also when we do their summer league guys that could
0: end up happening wow that would be incredible 2016 draft. Um, Let's move to Los Angeles now, starting with the Clippers, where Montrez Harrell got, I thought, an excellent deal, fully guaranteed, two-year, twelve million. We had put out there maybe the idea of something along the lines of three years, nine million, three years, twelve million. So when I saw twelve million, I was thinking maybe it'd be three years. No, it's actually two. So, uh, I, and I think Harrell performed at a level as one of the better backup four point fives in the league last year so in another market i would think that this six million a year would be pretty solid Uh, kevin pelton from the mock-off season offered him three years 20 million which uh player agent nate duncan jumped all over so i'm actually surprised that uh he did this well and you thought that the clippers would be very wary of adding any money to 2019 although they certainly still have plenty of 2019 space left here and and keeping Harold around is useful Uh, and a nice payday for him since he's uh, played hard uh, over his career. And, you know, it's certainly possible that Harold could be finishing a lot of games uh, over Marcin Gortop.
1: Yeah, this is a, a bet on Harrell as as much as anything, and he becomes the first free agent signing for the Clippers to get a fully guaranteed 2019-20 salary, and only the second to get anything guaranteed then. Avery Bradley got $2 million guaranteed, so that is a pretty big step for the Clippers considering how fastidiously they've been maintaining that space. I like Harrell, think he's a solid backup center, would love to see what he could do with a greater opportunity. Who knows? Maybe, depending on how the Clippers season goes, maybe Marcin Gortat gets bought out at some point, and we get to actually, or he gets hurt which is probably the more likely way that we get to see Harrell at starting center with all of this other talent. I want to see what he can do in that opportunity. He did well with what he got last year. And then the other piece of Clippers news uh, coming from David Aldridge is that Tobias Harris turned down an $80 million extension offer. I think it was more just kind of like talking about terms, the Clippers threw out that number and Tobias Harris turned it down. He will be unrestricted next summer when he he could get a big money offer somewhere. We don't know exactly what's going to be on the table. And so I don't know what Tobias Harris ends up getting i think this is a totally fair offer for the clippers to make this should not be considered offensive at all for harris but you know he's going to get an opportunity to shine this year with just a, such a different Clippers team.
0: Yeah, now with extensions being more viable, and they'll, you know, we saw it wasn't viable with Jimmy Butler, wasn't viable with Kyrie Irving. But once we get now to where those pre 2016 cap spike salaries are out of the system, you know, most players' extension offers like this so it will become more viable because you can go up to 120% of your, your previous year's salary. This is another one where I think, is it likely that if he becomes a free agent next year, he would get more than $80 million? And I assume this is over four years. That would be uh, four new years on the extension. And Harris is making like 16 a year right now. So that's probably pretty close to the most that they could have offered him. I mean, yeah, you know, eighty million dollars is a lot of money, and you know, you could see him maybe getting twenty-five million a year over four years. You know, Aldridge's tweet had the maxes that he'd be eligible for. I don't see him approaching that necessarily. If you were better defensively, I think he, you could talk about that. But Harris is a, at best an average defender at this point, and probably more comfortable at the four than the three. So I don't see him as a max guy next year. We'd have to really play out and and, and look at the the rest of the class there and, and think of who those teams might be. His agents certainly has some idea of what this will but you know you could also get hurt you could also play poorly they got a bunch of other guys on this team now too so if he doesn't play as well you know he, he could he's probably i guess their best player this year um so i don't know this is this to me it's not a no-brainer to turn this down but i am more risk averse i think than a lot of players and their agents seem to be
1: I actually have four years, 80 million as the maximum in new money that could be offered. So maybe it was just one of those circumstances like the Jimmy Butler where they said, hey, this is all we can do. We'd love to have you with this. And even though in Jimmy Butler's case, it was a clearer decision than here. He just went, nah, I'm good.
0: Also out of LA, Mike Beasley almost all of the room mid-level, one year, 3.5 million. And I thought there are a lot of teams that Mike Beasley could have helped as a scorer off the bench. I think that he is just about, if I had to pick a team based on who they already have on that team, that he would be the worst fit on maybe in the entire NBA, it might've been the LA Lakers.
1: I didn't process through it all the way in terms of that, but this brings about a question that has been vexing me for a while, which is, what are they expecting to do with Kyle Kuzma? Because Kyle Kuzma had a wonderful rookie year, but they just added a bunch of forwards and forwardy talent. Are they going to, how are they going to make all this work that you need Michael Beasley, that you need somebody at that rate? And he had a nice year for the Knicks. I, I, I'm i not a detractor of Michael Beasley. And if they had uh, structured this offseason differently, this would have been, like, and this was like maybe the, the risky signing, I would have been partially on yeah. board with well, it. Well, the they already just have so there. There.
0: many more, so many shot creators on this team. Right. It's just like, what use is and Mike shot, Beasley? And, shot takers yeah. too
1: like it you you just have the the it's kind of it's not as extreme in certain ways as the mellow one but it's just like the, what he provides isn't really necessary for them and getting a low, a lower usage guy who doesn't have to have it do as much himself would have been a much better fit with lebron james or with basically whoever else they played out
0: yeah and i think beasley actually has been underrated in terms of his contributions the, the last couple of years um and i will say he's the absolute worst you know on phoenix he probably he probably would have been worse but like you know when you have so many guys who need the ball in their hands Beasley has moved away from the three-point line in recent years to really closer to the basket that's part of why he's been more efficient is you know he's not taking 20-foot jumpers anymore he's taking like 12 to 15-foot jumpers and floaters um you know but he's not really gonna have the space to do that I am a little bit mollified on this because of the plans that they supposedly have to play LeBron at center a lot you know that'll help them get more of these guys on the floor but still it's just another one of these Lance Stephenson another one Rondo of just like all right we're going to put all these scores around like the greatest shot creator perhaps of all time and you know LeBron setting up Rondo and Lance Stevenson and Mike Beasley just doesn't make much sense those guys are guys who create their own shots or create shots for others but it, worse they're worse at it than LeBron so they're basically just taking more and more touches out of the hands of LeBron and then of course you know defensively uh, Beasley has some massive uh, limitations here so i mean there are definitely tons of teams that Could have used him, could have used some scoring off the bench, but I certainly do not believe that the Lakers are among them in terms of needing his skill set
1: and from a personality standpoint i don't i think beasley's stuff there is a little bit overwrought he's more crazy kind of some at certain moments than and eccentric than demanding you know more in that realm which and lebron has already dealt with him beasley was on the heat when lebron was there so i'm not nearly as concerned on that element as i am with somebody like rondo actually who i think is underappreciated in terms of this murderer's row of personalities that the lakers have added this year we can do a couple other kind of small texas related bookkeeping notes zach lowe had it after we recorded the last time that the trade memo on Kawhi included that the Spurs are sending Toronto five million in cash in that trade which is close to the maximum amount that teams can send or receive in a league year right now that makes the deal you know it, it's on the margins but it makes the deal look better for the Raptors and worse for the the Spurs and kind of goes in line with the way that they evaluated talent in that deal that the Spurs were really getting DeRozan because they think he's really going to help them and there's an argument to be made there in the regular season to be sure and so it's just another kind of piece in that puzzle then the other Texas related thing Novitsky, we all kind of knew what the terms were going to be but mark stein announced reported today that dirk is going to sign a one-year five million dollar deal it does not appear that those terms were materially affected by what happened with yogi ferrell though theoretically that cleared more cap space and they could have gone back to the room exception it seems like he's going to sign and play a league record 21st season with the same team
0: yeah that's uh, pretty awesome that he's going to still be around real quickly the bulls signed antonio blakeney who was on a two-way last year to a guaranteed two-year minimum contract i guess that means both years uh, are guaranteed blakeney played well in summer league lit up uh, the g league last year uh, scoring over 30 points a game uh, we talked about him on last week's program uh, about his summer performance and then a second surgery has occurred for michael porter you never know what to think of these right like you know for joel Embiid, his second surgery totally fixes navicular bone he's been fine ever since right i mean in some ways it can almost be good news when someone is struggling with recovery and you don't really know why and it's like oh maybe the first surgery didn't go that well and now if he has the second surgery that can help you know i think that's more often the case with things that aren't knees you know when you're talking about like cartilage and and maneuvering with that if you're having more surgeries on your knees that's usually a bad sign because you only have so much cartilage a lot of times you know Chandler Parsons him having another surgery you know or Amari Stoudemire having another surgery usually wasn't a good sign but if it's something like this where you know just the recovery clearly wasn't going the way it was supposed to the hope is that it'll be better uh Jared Dudley this is the guy who did his back surgery at the carroll clinic in dallas jared dudley saying uh he was the best back doctor in the country and he did an awesome job uh, on my surgery so uh you know this certainly i mean if you consider the first surgery that porter had in theory he was cleared to come back and play at missouri at the end of the year but had absolutely zero bounce whatsoever so i mean we're, we're no timetable yet but i'm guessing we're looking at four to five months at least for him to return and perhaps this is part of why there are all these rumors that he was just gonna this is gonna be a total red shirt year for porter all right we got one more read here and then we're gonna do our regrading of their 2016 offseason we'll look at our original grades and go back and say all right where were we right where were we wrong hold ourselves accountable for these are always a fun exercise always an important exercise we're trying to learn get better at our evaluations here so we'll have that right after this from Blinkist. As I mentioned, uh, I had my bachelor party this past weekend and one of my buddies was like, hey, you know what? Like, I am just like totally out of consumable material. And I'm like, dude, you got to try Blinkist. And I explained the concept to him. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do it. And I was like, hey, don't don't forget to put in that caps, cap space uh, slash cap space link. Blinkist.com slash cap space. I, I want to get credit for this recommendation. But What Blinkist is, is it's a bunch of nonfiction books. They have over 2,000 now, in fact. And it gives them to you an audio form in these powerful packs. that only takes 15 minutes to listen to. They got thousands of the best-selling non fiction books. And this is, uh, as I was telling my buddy, I was like, I like kind of had the idea for this myself as like something that could be really awesome. Not that I deserve any credit for it because I didn't do anything with it. But I was like, yeah, it'd be awesome to just be able to have something that takes the most impactful elements of these books. You can either read or listen to these Blinkist packs in under 15 minutes. And are you really going to be taking away more than 15 minutes worth of information? information from these non-fiction books you know one of the criticisms of these books sometimes is that they're padded a little bit so you're like you know they're entertaining but you're not actually you know the actual facts that you're taking away that you can apply in your life you know they're not going to be much more than 15 minutes worth if you really are asked afterwards like oh you know what did I take away from this book you probably couldn't talk about it for more than 15 minutes right so this I think is just the most efficient way to take these awesome concepts and learn about them as quickly as possible. The so way to get started with them is Blinkist.com, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash Capspace. That'll allow you to start your free seven-day trial. And easy to remember, Capspace, of course, we talk about it all the time here on the program. Once again, that's Blinkist.com slash Capspace. This is a great offer for all of the nerds in our audience, which uh, I'm guessing you're probably a nerd if you're listening to the show. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't find it very interesting. So uh, Blinkist.com slash Capspace, once again, is that URL. I'll let them know that you came from us with that slash Capspace. URL. So, this is one of the rare occasions where the Eastern Conference is actually going to be more interesting than the Western Conference because we had all those trades that we were very critical of at the time. We can start though uh, with the Atlanta Hawks, and I don't think we need to necessarily go through every single thing that they did to jog uh, people's memories but it's worth remembering that this was really you know it seems like already the hawks have been in a rebuild forever but you know they were the fifth seed in they lost to the wizards in the 2017 playoffs and you know they still had paul Millsap on the team there was talk that he was going to get a max contract their owner actually said hey i'm uh making paul Millsap our biggest priority but then they brought in travis schlank they decided to go to a new direction which is probably wise because they had a really bad point differential despite uh being the fifth seed that season they traded away to white as well they let Millsap go they uh, did not match the tim hardway jr offer sheet a smart move um what did you have for them initially last year and why
1: so I headed it to C. I hated the Dwight trade for them because it was just a, like because Miles Plumley was an awful contract. I thought I thought it would be better to just stretch Dwight. And then they remember they also gave up some value in terms of the second round. In that I think they went from 31 to 41 in that deal, and they got Bellinelli, who ended up working out reasonably well for them. And I was fine with the they got a the what ended up being the last pick of the first round for for 13 million for Jamal Crawford. I thought that was pretty good. Still pretty much like that. And then the contracts to Deadman and Neal were reasonable. So I give them a C. I thought, you know, some negative, some positive, And so overall average offseason.
0: I agreed with you uh, on the Dwight trade, taking back Miles Plumley, who, who went a, a year longer than him wasn't great although it is worth noting i mean they also got bellinelli back in that they saved money for last year and then also they have the difference between dwight at 23 million and Plumlee at 12 million this year and so they did actually make use of that cap space they brought in jeremy lynn which wasn't great but then they made this shrewder trade for carmelo so they did actually create more space for themselves this summer it's just next summer they're still going to have Plumlee and they wouldn't have had Dwight. So, you know, I'm not sure. It's not clear to me that just buying out Dwight would have absolutely been better, you know, because they did actually get some benefit from it this off season, which, which maybe we undersold at the time. I had given them a B, though, because I felt like just making the move to start rebuilding, I think the rebuild is off to a decent enough start and that they just need to do that instead of doubling down by overpaying for Millsap and trying to sign some vets. They ended up signing Ilyasova, but because he was on a second straight contract wouldn't have lost his bird rights he was able to veto a trade and so they didn't get anything for him they just had to buy him out that was kind of too bad uh and just getting that cap space for this offseason i think was smart because nobody had cap space this offseason right everybody's gonna have it in 2020 so i i my regrade is still a, a b but i think that most of what i like they've started off this rebuild pretty well they've largely been doing stuff that i think has been pretty good um but yeah i mean just remembering where they were in terms of a crossroads i think that they went the right direction at that crossroads overall that's why i think i would just stick with the b that i'd given them what is your uh your regrade for them
1: I moved up from a C to a C plus, be, mostly because I think John Collins and and Dorsey both outperformed their draft slot. So I like both of those moves; those are better. I don't think either yeah. one of them blew through it. I like oh, John yeah. Collins. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Question. I mean,
0: yeah, to have John Collins at nineteen, I mean, that's that was fantastic. Yeah, we should have mentioned absolutely. That. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a wonder, wonderful pick. They didn't get any value as it turned out from Bellinelli sova Ilyusova. Ilyusova, due to the no trade thing. Bellinelli, I think that was a mistake, but that is still a part of you, what you get with hindsight. Also, I put this in my notes. They were. Still Still more than shitty enough to get a great draft pick, even though they did a couple of those kind of short-term things like Ilyasova. And they actually—I didn't include this in my grade because I did it before it happened. They got out of the second-year Mike Muscala's contract pretty well. I didn't like them giving him a player option. I didn't think he warranted that. And by him picking it up, I think that was a virtue—that it was, you know, that it was a value contract on his perspective. That it was a good, a good for him to pick it up. But they got out of it clean. They got Justin Anderson in that transaction. So kudos.
0: Yeah, and they ended up drafting uh, Amari Spellman this year with that. pick that they got from the crawford transaction so yeah i mean b b plus i mean collins we already were thinking he was gonna be pretty good after summer league um so i i think it set them up pretty well here so so i i had a b before i gave him a b you had a c before what was your new grade again c plus c plus all right yeah i think you're being too harsh on him man but
1: uh i hate i hate the dwight trade so much
0: (laughs) well what about what about the argument that they got more space for this year though with that
1: yeah but they could have they they could have i mean Brooklyn ended up getting you know they got they were able to get five million out of that contract you know through that and also remember Miles Plumlee is so bad that Atlanta just paid a another backup center and they still have him for another twelve and a half million for two years yeah and I don't care as much about you know the 2019 offseason I mean 2020 I mean they already got out of Schroeder's contract that's it's just it's just awful and he's probably in this mold I've talked about this a little bit with some other moves I'm going to talk about it with Noah at some point not in this but in something else about how he's probably Probably actually like you have to keep him on roster because you don't want to burn the money by deciding whether you're going to stretch him or not, and so you lose that roster spot too. Sucks as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's difficult. And and I guess you know Dwight actually had value as a player in this past season, and plumbing of course, yeah, did not. So I mean,
1: it wasn't necessarily value that Atlanta wanted to recoup, but it was value.
0: Yeah, and it it was one of these things where I think they just decided, hey, we're getting rid of him. So now to Boston uh, an off season that we did our grades initially before the Irving deal, although uh, we also were not particularly high on the Irving deal at the time. And, now, of course, it's important to remember that Kyrie also missed the playoffs last year as well, and there's talk that he may leave, uh, but certainly you'd have to say, given what happened with Isaiah Thomas, how Jay Crowder played last year, and then the fact that the Brooklyn pick only turned into number eight, you know, even with the fact that Kyrie missed these playoffs, even if he only plays one more year in Boston, then leaves the Knicks, like everyone's saying, I, I don't buy that necessarily. Everyone always says that everyone's going to the Knicks, but we'll see. Uh, you know, that's still... It, is a home run of a trade i think for boston even if they only get one more year out of Kyrie. uh also uh ante zizic was in that trade he probably his stars probably fallen a little bit he looks like you know a career backup center at best uh you remember that we also killed them for not getting paul george because the offer that eventually landed him from oklahoma city was so low but i think part of why they were doing that was they wanted to get hayward into the fold first Um, and they did of course get Hayward it's not their fault that he missed the entire year due to injury suffered in in the first game that's still presumably going to end up being a good signing unless he's totally damaged goods and then of course the big part that we were totally wrong on at least as of now was that we didn't care for the Foltz Tatum trade which also got them that Lakings pick um and that's looking like an absolute home run for them as of now
1: yeah, this is a regrade for me from a C minus, which would have actually been lower if we had done this after the Kyrie trade because I didn't like it initially for right. the Celtics to a straight A, and that doesn't mean everything was perfect, but that means they absolutely killed the big things and then the small things. Uh, one that I want to talk about that was another smaller move that worked out really well: Aaron Baines. Sure, saying okay, he's a- another the one we, we didn't really care our, for as our center, another
0: one we didn't care for right. this time. And he turned out great too.
1: Yeah, he did, and so Tatum is the big one. I mean, Tatum is the is the centerpiece here. They made the decision Danny Ainge on his board. And while we don't know what Marco Fultz would have been if the yips hadn't come into play, Jason Tatum is an absolutely spectacular fit for them. Fitted, you know, can offensive role, defensive role, play defense his rookie year, which is incredible. And he's a young rookie to make that work. Also Avery Bradley for Marcus Morris didn't hurt them nearly as much as I thought it might. And I cracked up when I was reading, cause I write these, I write like a paragraph for all of these. One of the things I wrote in the original one, cause remember this is before the trade. I wrote that Isaiah Thomas had the Celtics over a barrel. And it is true that if the Kyrie trade ever happens. Their point guard stuff would have been very different. Maybe Rosier steps up. A lot of the different things could happen. But it worked out magnificently for them. They were able to solve that problem while still maintaining enough flexibility to do a lot of other things. And I don't love the Yabusele and Zizic picks, but those picks were made in 2016, so they don't count against their 2017 offseason grade at all. Another important part that we should mention: Daniel Tice and Shane Larkin for the minimum. Both of those value contracts for the minimum. Tice getting a second year. That was a very good thing for. Boston his his injury I think did hurt them in the later rounds of the playoffs and so yeah it worked out really well I mean this was ended up being a spectacular offseason I am happy to admit that I was wrong especially because it has really elevated the Celtics into this like kind of eventual or even immediate title contender mix
0: yeah and we'll see what eventually happens with Fultz and Tatum you know when we're talking about these draft picks there's still much in that story that needs to be written you know no one would have been talking about James Harden as one of the best players from that 2009 class after a year so much can change there but certainly you know the odds are that tatum is gonna be much better than false and then they got that Lakings pick as well which is looking like you know sacramento is not gonna be much better this year you know that's looking like it's gonna be a top 10 pick at a minimum and probably higher than that so like you i would increase from my original c minus up to an a and by the way we are gonna post these regrades our initial our original grades and our regrades on patreon as well let's turn to the brooklyn nets uh, you'll recall that they made that trade with d'angelo russell getting him and timofey mozgov in exchange for brook lopez and uh, the pick that eventually became kyle kuzma although i think they made one more trade no they didn't that was the jazz who, who traded up for tony bradley so yeah it was it was 27 is right there uh one of the criticisms we had at the time was that they didn't need to throw in that extra pick, and Kuzma, even at the time we did these grades, was already looking awesome in summer league. Looking to be way better than the usual uh, twenty-seven pick. Another thing they did, which we thought was okay, was trade for Damari Carroll and got Brooklyn or uh, Toronto's first rounder. That turned out to be pretty unlucky. That that ended up being twenty-nine. That the the Raptors, nobody thought the Raptors were going to be as good as they were last year. You know that was looking like a pick that could be in uh, even as good as the high teens or low twenties. So that was too bad. Um, They also drafted Jared Allen at number 22. We liked that pick at the time. It's looking like a a, a pretty good pick. And then, of course, they did that Allen crab trade, which uh, we didn't care for at the time
1: right and i think that's that and the d'angelo russell trade are the big parts of this for me so they did take jared allen he was immediately picked before og and adobe so while we like jared allen i would rather have og so it it gets into that weird realm where it's like i like the pick but there was a better guy right there and i think that in hindsight so there are two different elements of the d'angelo trade that i want to talk about one is d'angelo russell himself i i think that i'm a little bit lower on him now than i was part of that is you know unfair due to injury that he didn't have a chance to really show those positives but but I, I still, when he did play, I didn't see that spark that I really wanted to see with him. Like, oh, this guy is going to be able to run a strong NBA offense. Like, I I've, I didn't see that with D'Angelo with the Lakers. I also didn't really see it with the Nets. And they gave up, yeah, that 27 pick, became Kuzma, could have also been Josh Hart, numerous other things. And Brooke Lopez, who was certainly value in that trade. I mean, he did really help the Lakers. They ended up not resigning him, which a lot of us thought might end up being part of the game plan here. But, you know, those things, the Crab, crab thing, though, was just an incredible overview valuing of him yeah. you know like and
0: he just... he and crab played even worse than we thought he would he didn't even hit his three-pointers and that's all he does
1: right so i actually moved this down from a c-minus to a d and so it's funny we just spent early a part of the early part talking about how good of an offseason they've had and i agree with that i stand by that but i think this offseason is looking worse with time and the opportunity cost of alan crab is significant i mean the guy's making 18 million a year he's more of a sixth man maybe and we're not even totally sure of that and brooklyn this year they could have done a little bit with that money we saw how well they kind of created a mountain of assets out of a molehill of space but then also this is big for next year because crab has a player option and i think he's going to be picking up that player option for next year <laughs>
0: thank you and, thank you my, that... my voice is a little is a little burned out after the bachelor party so uh and,
1: and that really hurts the nets i mean because they they could have that money and the it's too much that you know if they if they stretch it then that becomes an issue and all that kind of stuff so it, it's n- they didn't get much out of that year they were in a tight spot, I thought they made that spot tighter. And season,
0: yeah, and I i'd given them a C plus initially. Again, just couldn't stand that crab trade. That was the biggest I thought. And uh, trading away uh that Kuzma pick, you know, those are the two criticisms I had at the time. And you know, they took on Moscow. That's a lot of money take on. i mean that was you know if you're looking at what it's taken to get off of bad money this year well he was 48 million dollars in bad money but i thought it was a good risk because russell is a guy with some talent and they just with the situation they're in you know there wasn't anybody who had that superstar upside and now russell has not worked out of course uh, and obviously the way that things worked out with the pick that they got in the carroll trade as well so I downgraded them to a C minus. I mean, in terms of the results, it probably deserves worse than a C minus. But I still thought that the process, aside from the crab part, uh, was decent. But you know, they took some risks that just didn't work out, and so it's hard to say. You know, oh, there's something they should have known about those risks at the time. Um, you know, if you're just grading this based on the results, you know, I'd be down with you in the D range. But I thought that it, at least the process was decent. I understand other than the crab trade of why they did just about everything here and Russell. You know, and if Russell were looking like he could be uh you know a top 15 point guard in the league or a top 10 point guard in the league after last season uh you know we might be feeling totally differently uh, about this trade it's just you know that didn't happen or this offseason i should say are you ready to move on to Charlotte? yeah Charlotte. You you <laughs> gave them I I because I actually re-listened to our whole podcast uh, on this and I you gave them an A. I gave them a B. Um, and part of the reason we gave them an A was that same Dwight trade to just get rid of Plumlee, who was one of, they had just acquired a mere four months before, uh who was one of the worst contracts in the NBA. So we thought that was really good. Um. The Malik Monk pick, you know, it was already looking like Donovan Mitchell might be better than him when we did these grades after Summer League. But, you know, Monk didn't play it last year in Summer League, and he's still got some potential, but he's not going to be Donovan Mitchell. In fairness to them, though, I don't think there are very many people, maybe Mike Schmitz was one of them, but I don't think many people were talking about mitchell in the same tier as monk and really you know thinking about just the college seasons that those two guys had you know i think a lot of people would have been hell no we're not passing on malik monk you know he's dropping like 47 in these games for kentucky um so i, I don't think in contrast to the pistons who will get to you know i don't think they should be excoriated as badly for picking monk over mitchell uh so yeah i, I mean i i gave him a b at the time too uh but what was your uh and, and then the other problem was you know that howard trade put them close to the tax and then they had problems trying to find a backup point guard and michael carter williams had like one of the worst seasons that anyone in, in, in has had in nba history basically um uh what else you got here
1: another underrated thing that they screwed up which i i wrote it in my review then but it just wasn't enough to degrade it was they had they moved up to the number 31 pick the first pick of the second round in the in that move and then they moved back down again from with the pelicans for cash and i hate it when teams move down from a valuable pick just for cash because they don't get a benefit and there were a lot of good guys on the board at 31 that could have really helped them and yeah i mean well, michael and, Carter- and then they picked
0: dwayne bacon too who as we talked about last week is looking pretty bad
1: right so, so you have that as well and so i'm i moved them from an a to a b it's hard with monk over mitchell i don't degrade them like you said this like what in hindsight yes they should have done that but i didn't think of it that way we hadn't watched film i i don't think we definitely hadn't watched film on mitchell in terms of our pre-draft stuff i can't remember if we watched monk or not
0: we did we and
1: did. we did and I, I thought monk was fine from what i recall and so they have that and the michael carter williams thing is is certainly frustrating because they you the big reason why they got him instead of another backup point guard was probably money you know that was something that KP did really well in the mock-off season that year was spend basically what they can to stay under the tax though it is worth mentioning that North Carolina product Raymond Felton signed for the minimum in OKC though his priority was probably different because in OKC
0: he was actually on a team that could win something if they'd had more money last year maybe they would have just spent it on like the equivalent of Tony Parker who may not have necessarily been sure that much of an an upgrade but yeah well
1: actually since you brought it up do you want to should I bring it to There's a little piece of news on that actually. Oh, yeah. What is it? Live reaction Tony Parker's second year is non guaranteed.
0: Oh yeah that makes it much better
1: yes it does we'll probably talk about that more substance but since you brought it up i'm like okay let's 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 do that but yeah but so so i still give them a b and it it, you can make an argument that going cheaping out with michael carter williams and also identifying michael carter williams as the guy that that cost them a playoff spot because if they had better bench play in the first half to three quarters of that season charlotte could have absolutely been in the mix it did end up getting a little stronger than we expected at the eight seed but they they could have been in there and yeah our assumption trade was great for our
0: assumption when they made these moves was that they were going to make the playoffs and they didn't I mean that the reason right. they made these crews and then they just recently had to swap Howard back for even worse contract than Plumlee in in Moscow although they did I mean it's worth noting that they got a year of Dwight Howard services over Plumlee and over Moscow which you know that that doesn't count as nothing he was still better than those but I mean I I would bump them down I gave him a B I would have to bump them down to a D I mean we actually thought Carter Williams could be okay as it turned out that was not the case so and they didn't make the playoffs I mean they made these moves that are kind of short-term focused to make the playoffs and they didn't succeed and uh so I think that uh i gotta bump him from a b to a d there um you gave him an a initially what's your new grade
1: i moved him down to a b yeah and i will clarify i am not sure i want to make sure this is clear from earlier in the podcast that miles plumley he has this year and next year remaining there isn't anything beyond that so it's not as long as schroeder it's 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 it expires in the summer of 2020 oh yeah
0: yeah but but anyway um so yeah i mean just hard to because you know your thought on giving him an a was all right they had very limited resources uh with their tax issues and so they did well there and, and you know maybe that was true at the time but the whole idea was hey we're gonna make the playoffs again and they didn't do that oh that one other role.
1: thing one other thing i want to mention so dwight did help them a lot last year but i also think that giving cody zeller more of an opportunity the margin between those guys wouldn't have been as severe and so zeller was you know playing with the backups and all that kind yeah, of stuff well but zeller thought, missed zeller, a zeller, bunch yeah. of
0: time last year remember too so like he, that's also true so yeah um
1: so so that is worth mentioning in terms of this like maybe they could have gotten a backup center that would have been capable or something like a gap filler of sorts but that you know that would have been dif- difficult as well so i don't know we'll, we'll we'll see where that would have gone ready to move on to the chicago bulls this one will be fun
0: yeah i mean obviously they did that butler trade zach levine chris dunn the pick that became larry marketing uh was the trade for jimmy butler they also got a lot cheaper with that trade um which has enabled them to do some stuff they didn't bring back Rajon rondo who had a, you know, a small guarantee on a 13 million and they did saw, uh claim david Nwaba off waivers and they picked up justin holiday for four million a year for two years which seems fine uh they also re-signed cristiano felicio for four years 32 million which we hated even when we thought felicio might have some potential to be a solid backup center and maybe even a starter at some point uh he was one of the worst players in basketball last season so so that doesn't help them we gave them uh i gave them an f initially you did as well i
1: did and i still do (laughs) I mean, even though Lowry Markkinen had a nice year, and remember, Markkinen got taken over Dennis Smith, and there's a whole bunch of stuff with that, and yeah. we don't. it's going to take a lot of time to evaluate those two in particular. Like, Dennis Smith, is, he, young point guards, it takes a while. But, I mean, Chris Dunn, and Chris Dunn was better than I thought he would be. I thought he had a, a solid year, but again, it's still the opportunity cost of, oh, if you have him in point guard, you're not going to draft another point guard, all that kind of stuff. Levine had just, you know, a recovery year, and then they horrendously matched that offer sheet, so you, you didn't get any of the positive last year and then now you still had to pay yeah. him
0: and, and that I, was inevitable an inevitable consequence of making the trade to begin with was that you're thinking yeah. you're probably gonna have to pay zach levine 28 million a year
1: hooray sunk cost fallacy yeah. but it's still true i mean we, we knew it was going to happen and it did and i like the holiday and Noaba signings then i continue to like them now uh, we will see if he ends up coming back for part of the room exception they did have to renounce him in order to, to make some of the stuff happen that they that they did earlier in this offseason so they it looks like they're not going to get as much value from that as it looked like they might have but they could still bring him back Felicio contract is an absolute disaster I thought about giving them an F plus because they chose not to re-sign Joffrey Laverne but <laughs> no because they they still they got Felicio and all this other stuff so no that's a straight up uh
0: I was a little kinder uh, giving them a D I think there is Markinen could be really really good uh um and we killed them for not drafting Dennis Smith I would still rather have Smith uh, uh but it's entirely possible that Markinen turns out to be better than him and, and it's very possible that Markinen might have been the right Pick there. I mean, I, I think we said at the time, like, we might have liked this trade more if they had just taken Smith and had someone who, who had some more upside. uh But, and then another thing we didn't mention in that Butler trade, of course, is they gave up the 16th pick. And now, while Minnesota decided to draft Justin Patton, who has struggled with injuries and, you know, doesn't really seem to be a very modern player, it doesn't really fit in given all the centers that Minnesota already has there were good players available at 16 if they could have just negotiated their way into not giving up that 16th pick which seemed pretty crazy the other important thing to remember though is like what's the counterfactual right and we my position was hey if they just kept butler and tried to sign some guys and build around him and you know they could have been like a 45 to 48 win team maybe last year and you know that would have been worth something right i mean the bulls Fans wouldn't have had to watch tanking basketball. Also, the plan was to tank, but they only ended up getting the number seven pick anyway. Even with all that really painful taking it could turn out that Wendell Carter ends up being way better than a lot of the guys picked ahead of him. But trying to get the number seven pick, you know, they surely expected that they were going to get a higher draft pick than that when they uh, attempted this. uh They also re-signed Nikola Mirtich Eventually, that wasn't part of our analysis initially. uh They signed him to uh, a two-year deal with the second-year team option for around twelve million a year. Ended up trading him getting that number 22 pick that became Chandler Hutchison this year but they also did take on the salary of Omer Ashik, which runs through this year so the Mirotic deal also you know he could have still been a part of the team if he hadn't got punched in the face by Bobby Portis and wanted out afterwards uh so it's still too early to me. I mean I mean I, I'm the reason I'm not giving them better is because they may have just started this rebuild that, you know, looks like it has nowhere to go if Levine turns into a bad contract and Larry Market just ends up being like a solid starter and Wendell Carter just ends up being a solid starter and then it's just like where the hell are you going? You got some cap space, but does anyone really want to join here and you're just you're might. I mean, we killed them because we felt like hey you know what they're not gonna be back in the playoffs for a very long time i still think the people are talking about the bulls being good this year you know winning 40 games that that seems uh very optimistic at this point so i uh, i think ultimately there's a little bit more light at the end of the tunnel than it appeared right when this trade was made but uh I still don't really care for it that much. And then, you know, I mean, they could have kept Butler around. And then would they have gotten a worse package than this if they had traded Butler this offseason? You know, maybe they could have traded him to the Lakers or something like that. You know, And they would have actually had him for another year and been a a solid team probably in the playoffs this last year. So um, I moved it up, but it still gave him a D. But but that was an interesting one. This is a, a tough one. There are a lot of different things than when we initially were evaluating it, uh, although apparently not for you. Uh, uh, <laughs>
1: no, well, there were a lot of different things. I just felt the same way about them yeah, overall yeah. in the aggregate, as you would probably put it. And let's move on to the Cavs another one where a lot of things changed but my feelings didn't really change so the biggest difference was so when we did this they had signed derrick rose jeff green brought in chetty osman and jose calderon and re-signed kyle corver they had not done the Kyrie irving trade so i gave them an f plus and i'm going to read exactly what i wrote because i stand by all of this i said they did not use any of their limited resources to get better against the warriors and that is all that should matter i stand by every single word of that but if we had done this grade later in the offseason i would have moved it higher because of the the value that i thought they got in the Kyrie irving trade whether or not they had to trade him i i have i have skepticism there that there's a whole bunch of stuff that we know and don't know there but the nets pick isaiah thomas jay crowder all that unfortunately they never got the benefit of that bump up because a lot of that stuff ended up getting thrown out in the wash with an awful season in terms of chemistry and everything like that and then taking on a lot of long-term money so I'm I'm moving it from an F plus to what would have been higher down to an F because they already drafted Chetty Osman I thought that you know I'm happy they brought him over but that again doesn't doesn't really factor in too much and the criticism of not getting guys that were good against the Warriors is still there I mean LeBron was still the driving force behind getting them through but also remember that this was such a disaster that they had to take on a lot of long-term money and give up that first round pick for Jordan Clarkson granted that yeah, trade yeah. Ha- for, for, for Larry
0: had to seems though Uh, chose to yeah chose
1: to that they that they basically felt the urgency to make all of these moves to dump jay crowder to dump isaiah thomas to dump channing fry and that to get into that circumstance and take on that long-term money give up that pick that makes it enough for me
0: yeah i mean they lost lebron because they weren't able to do anything in this offseason and i agree with you i mean i thought that that irving trade that we had thought there's some possibility that could actually make them better against the Warriors but Crowder obviously disappointed and and you know Thomas uh, was completely messed up from a health standpoint which we didn't know how bad that was when we were evaluating the trade I'd given them an F plus initially I move it down to an F minus because they lost LeBron they basically did absolutely nothing other than signing Jeff Green who was like halfway decent uh and helped in the East playoffs but it basically the only reason they even made it to the finals was because of guys who are on the team before this offseason and uh they did re-sign Kyle Korver that looked Looks like an overpay. Korver was a valuable player in the East playoffs, but uh really was limited in terms of his effectiveness defensively against Boston, and then really couldn't play against Golden State uh, hardly at all. Uh We'll see what ends up happening with him in trade now that LeBron is gone. I mean, they had Dwayne Wade uh, on this team, it ended up you know that was a disaster. And then you know remember obviously there was the whole GM drama as well, right? They brought in Kobe Altman as GM. Not only did they let David Griffin go, and then they couldn't work out the kyrie irving situation but then hiring altman you know it doesn't look like he's been very effective I mean, that trade especially those trades in the or the in-season trade at the trade deadline was a a disaster i think from day one you know none of those guys really helped them in the playoffs they took on long-term salary they gave up a first i mean that was and then the opportunity cost of that you know not getting someone who who could help them in the playoffs so that looks really bad and a lot of that comes from well they brought in this gm who had very little experience and he hasn't really been any good so uh yeah f f minus i mean they laid they just got so much worse and they lost lebron and they did it in large part due to last year's offseason maybe he never would have stayed but they sure as hell got a lot worse because of that offseason
1: Let's go to the Detroit Pistons. Pistons had a, an interesting offseason. They drafted Luke Kennard at 12th over what ended up being Donovan Mitchell. They also traded Marcus Morris for Avery Bradley and let KCP go, something we were both pretty apoplectic about at the time because KCP, his you know young talent, fit in fit in well and all this stuff. They also paid Langston Galway on one of those kind of underappreciatedly bad contracts, Oof. but also signed but also signed Anthony Tolliver onto, onto a good contract. So I gave them a D at the time. I said they had a narrow window to improve, but they lost long-term upside in, in the trade. And then I wrote, we'll see how Canard over Mitchell and Bam looks in a few years. Oof. I mean, I still like Luke Connard. I think Kennard, yeah. there's more untapped, there's more potential there. But I mean, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And, but that, and, and that's Rick one candidate. That's
0: I feel differently about because I think most people would have taken Mitchell over Canard there.
1: Right, yeah, and we and we hadn't watched the film, so we can't beat beat our drums over. Though I think I think we would have felt the same way. I mean, I haven't gone back and watched it, like done a retro watch of a ton of it, but yeah. And I mean, the gang, the length in Galway contract is is awful. The other weird part about evaluating this offseason is that KCP and Morris for Bradley is kind of an incomplete because then Avery Bradley was included in the Blake Griffin trade, which is not a part of this analysis because that trade happened during the season. So I actually, I I don't know why necessarily I moved it up to a D plus. I guess because. So I moved from a D to a D plus. Tolliver worked out pretty well. You know, Bradley was, KCP wasn't as much, you know, that wasn't as much of a lost opportunity as I thought it was going to be. But yeah, I mean, Kennard over Mitchell is is rough and Galway's awful. Oh, and that's the other reason I moved it up. Reggie Bullock, that was a nice signing. I really like that
0: yeah you know uh i gave them a d minus i actually moved that down to an f plus uh because of the the mitchell thing of being the biggest one of those and and kcp i mean they basically just like pulled his qualifying offer because like stan van Gunny was just sick of having to deal with rich paul you know they just let that asset go for nothing we were killing them that a five for eighty dollar offer which kcp turned down was way too low certainly this year's market uh would indicate that that was a, a totally reasonable offer that kcp turned down but to just let him out of that for no reason i mean they did get avery bradley but and then you know that trade doesn't look great because they still would have had marcus morris who w- would have helped them uh, and he was under contract a, a year longer bradley didn't really contribute although as you mentioned he was part of that griffin trade but i'm sure you know they could have traded someone else for for griffin if you think that that was a good trade which i don't necessarily but yeah that bullet contract two years five million second year non-guaranteed was pretty good he, he's contributed and and tolliver was helpful so that's why it's an f plus and that galloway contract was just so asinine especially because it hard capped them as well at the time that was the the crazy part of it so uh now we get to the indiana pacers i doubt we will ever have as much of a change in grades as we have here i gave them An F, and I am now giving them an A minus
1: similarly i moved it from a d minus to an a minus um, what what's so striking about this i mean it's kind of the the way that you do a regrade is that i don't think they saw in victor oladipo what he ended up being because it's very hard to have seen it based on yeah. the data that we had. It, it, <laughs> you know, it's essentially an
0: unprecedented one season improvement in nba history
1: right and so they certainly get credit for that because it happened under their watch pritchard made the decision to trade for victor oladipo and sabonis who also had a really nice year i think that was a little more for foreseeable because Sabonis had been playing out of position. He was also young, and so he. he I, but he took a big step forward too, and we should definitely appreciate that. So you you have those two things, but I want to talk a little bit about the rest of their offseason because they signed Darren Collison and and Boyan Bogdanovich to these kind of one minus one contracts where they they had a lot of control yeah. over the second year. It's, they reached two minus very one. I think would be the way
0: to two
1: minus one. Though, sorry, yeah. Yeah. yeah, two minus one. Where they had a lot of control over that second year. They ended up keeping both of those guys on their contract both contributed, but also that they, through a sign-in trade, got Corey Joseph for CJ Miles in effect, and so they were able to get a point guard rotation that was, you know, it ended up partially being survivable because Victor Oladipo handled so much of the creation responsibilities, but they got that point guard duo without giving up assets and without taking on any long-term risk. So I thought that was really impressive that they were able to make that happen. So that's a lot of the good stuff. The bad thing is TJ Leaf. I mean, TJ Leaf over OGM Nanobi over john collins is it, it's not catastrophic because this team is better in a better place than we thought but if they had made a better pick there it would be massive for this franchise
0: well and leaf is one of those ones that we hated at the time and it's just there's just not really a way that a player of his type is going to become that valuable i mean maybe if everything turns out well he could become ursine Iliasova one day but he doesn't you know few players have that level of, of intelligence and you know, we'll we'll get to him in our summer prospect review, but he didn't exactly wow me there. But I, I mean, I thought it was so impressive. We were saying at the time, "Hey, blow it up!" You know, you got it. Like the Pacers just never tank. They they got to just be willing to embrace that and rebuild you know with george leaving and no they actually were better uh last year than they were the season before with george uh and they also maintain great flexibility for future seasons you know they had flexibility this summer they've got the one-year deals they are looking poised to be a solid playoff team in the east again this season and then they'll have plenty of cap space again next summer they also elevated kevin pritchard to gm which we were killing because we hated the george trade but uh, now that actually looks pretty good he's done a a solid job there Uh, so yeah the only reason it's not a straight a or even an a plus uh was the the leaf move
1: and they also was a, we expected because of how far he fell in the draft but Ek on was you know it, it's a late second round pick it's not a big deal but he hasn't provided much value yet
0: yes uh, or any uh the miami heat
1: the other way in terms of flexibility
0: yeah well so so this is an interesting one here because i initially gave them a c plus you gave them a c minus but it felt like we actually had more of a divergence than that when i went back and listened that you were critical of them for locking into these long-term contracts and my thought was well what else were they supposed to do remember they were very late in free agency gordon hayward spurned them their own guys were basically the only ones left they managed to create with some nice cap gymnastics using unlikely bonuses enough space bringing kelly olenek um but they also of course retained dn waiters and james johnson and then they made that trade with josh mcroberts where they picked up uh th- they paid a bunch of cash to dallas they opened up some of that cap space but they had to take back aj hammond who had money for this year uh, as well um so i actually don't downgrade them that much uh i had them now as really a C and we can also throw in that they gave they extended Josh Richardson at four for 42 thus creating that uh, what we always talk about the Josh Richardson contract extension where you're so low in terms of your salary that the most you can extend for is 120 percent of the estimated average player salary so that's where that four for 42 came from um so so that gives them a little bit of a boost uh but it really you know i I didn't really see any other path for them once they had matched on tyler johnson they were never going to have flexibility this year basically no matter what they did and so last summer they might as well bring people back i think the only one that i would be more critical of now would be the Deion waiters contract you know maybe they could have just let him go especially knowing that he had this totally jacked up ankle at the time that eventually required surgery so that's one especially knowing that about his health i think they probably should have uh just let him go or, or tried to sign up for cheaper rather than four years and 50 million which is looking pretty ugly right now
1: yeah i still am similar i'm still skeptical in, in the way that i was before i just didn't think spending on this team in terms of the number of years because they it's just a lot of money to throw at it they're having to duck duck the tax this year next year you know they're going to be in the same situation until yeah. all of these but, guys but, but they
0: were never going to have space before the summer of 2020 anyway with Whiteside with Johnson on the books so like the opportunity cost to me is pretty low
1: well the opportunity got using the full mid-level exception they could have gotten somebody pretty awesome with that this yeah, year maybe though, probably next year as well and, and yeah the, and but, idea but if, they, they, had they, they, signed, signed, if like, they had just not they, signed if they just not signed waiters
0: then then they would have had access to the full mid-level too
1: right I, I mean and with with Olenek it's a fine con- I, I think Olenek is a solid player but there just wasn't really that like niche for him like oh Oh, he's your third big okay that's nice you know totally fine with that but but doing that i like the richardson signing so i moved them from a c minus to a d plus just a slight downgrade because i think those contracts are looking worse than they did and the Bam pick is fine you know I, i'm not completely sold like oh he's a diamond in the rough or anything like that but i do think that there's a, a, a very good player in there not necessarily the position of the most value so yeah i mean i, I it's i guess it is just our feelings on the opportunity cost i don't think we need yeah. to I, I don't think there's much that either of us can do to convince the other it's just that we have a Difference of opinion.
0: Well, that's pretty much true for any subject that we ever discuss. <laughs>
1: Well, no there are are times that we can that we can convince it a little bit
0: yeah no no it's true i was was mostly kidding there um
1: Uh, but one that we can do relatively quickly uh because the bucks did so little last offseason they did some i mean the big eric bledsoe trade during the season that does not count in this they drafted dj wilson they drafted sterling brown they re-signed tony snell they lost michael beasley not a big surprise there he went to the Knicks. so i gave them a d plus i said they did almost nothing and almost every and and every single move was meh that's kind of how i felt about it i I lowered that to a d-minus because i don't like the dj wilson pick i didn't really like it then but it's worse now and what what's changed that for me a little bit was just some of the guys around there looking a lot better we just talked about this with tj leaf john collins terrence ferguson jared allen og Ananobi. like all those guys would have helped the bucks a lot this past year and much less moving forward when they need that upside sterling brown i think has worked out reasonably well i like him but dj wilson is a bigger opportunity cost and the snow contract is fine i still think they need to use him more than they do did but i mean this is just it's it's another kind of missed opportunity for them to raise their that they could have like raised their ceiling and they absolutely didn't do that one other thing that we could mention in their offseason grade was that they didn't extend jabari parker yeah but it seems like there just wasn't grounds to make a deal happen
0: yeah that's an interesting one uh you know they offered him 18 million a year or so you know in various permutations it seemed like you know whether you want to say it's good that he turned that down or not you know should you It's tough for me to argue that they should have offered more, especially because, as we talked about in their offseason preview this year, that they're really in a situation with Giannis where they needed something with a little more certainty. You know, making a big bet on Parker just didn't work for where they were. As a franchise, I'd given them a D initially. You know, Snell looks like a little bit of an overpay, but we got to remember that everything seems like an overpay now uh, based on this year's market. You know, I think in the next couple of years, he could look fine. As you mentioned, I think they could use him a little bit more. A couple of other things that they did... They brought in John Horst as GM. You know, remember they had kind of Zanuck as the GM in waiting. They let him leave. They also let John Hammond leave. Uh, You know, I don't think that was an enormous loss, but, you know, he was a guy who had experience. And and I can't say that Horst has really done a great job uh, so far, uh, in my opinion, especially when you look at some of the signings this summer. You could also say that a decision they made was to retain Jason Kidd, which didn't work out great. Uh, and then, you know, they ended up going to Joe Prunty, who wasn't much better, uh, certainly in the playoffs. You know, you could argue if they had had better coaching in the playoffs, they might have even won that series uh, against Boston. You know, they had uh, uh, some close losses uh, where they got out coached uh, at the end. Uh, but, you know, Bud, who they ended up getting, is probably better than anyone they could have gotten on the market last summer. So you could say maybe it worked out. They ended up getting Bud, but I, I don't think, you know, there was some rumblings that kid could be fired they had that kind of lucky winning streak to get back into playoff contention at the end of the 16-17 season you know kid had been on the hot seat and so the decision to retain him if you eventually fire him in the middle of the season probably doesn't look like the greatest uh decision and i, I don't think that Horst has done a great job so far so i lowered them from a d down to a d minus
1: we can go to another strong grade the new york knickerbockers they drafted frank nilkina and damian Dotson. they also re-signed ron Baker. Holy shit, that's an awful contract. But then Tim Hardaway Jr. I think beyond all of the Phil Jackson-related nonsense, that's the other big takeaway here. That contract is an absolute disaster, and it was then, it is now. And you know he's not an awful player, but the money they gave him is completely ridiculous. So I gave them an F at the time. I give them an F now. Frank is intriguing, but he has it. You know, like I would go like, oh, he's a a, a, a budding star yeah. or anything like I, that. I, I mean, do, he I showed like him.
0: he showed very little offensively. This, I mean, he had a couple of. Flashes, but you know, offensively and similarly, didn't look like a player is yeah. even close to being able to access the reins of, of an NBA offense. right
1: And so, I mean, the Ron Baker contract is in some ways even worse than Hardaway, just because Ron Baker isn't like he isn't an NBA player, whereas at least Hardaway they overpaid for somebody who is an NBA player. But I mean, they're both just completely egregious.
0: Yeah, and you know, if they didn't have Hardaway this summer, you know, number one, maybe they could have like just had cap space this summer instead of him. And number two, now next summer uh, they've got. Eighteen million less in cap space as well you know the phil jackson thing drafting a guy for phil jackson and then immediately firing him you know that that was all terrible obviously um i had given them an f initially uh i think that i moved them up to a d minus just because i thought the mellow trade actually ended up being better we th- we were thought it was terrible but Mello was just so bad this year and Cantor contributed to some degree at least on offense doug mcdermott ended up getting flipped for emmanuel mudier we'll see what ends up happening uh, with mudier in his fourth season uh, as we, he'll have a chance to compete for some minutes uh they also installed steve mills as the top basketball decision maker who immediately had that terrible hardaway offer sheet uh and then they brought in scott perry who's been been very active you know uh we'll see what ends up happening uh you know whether that ends up being good or not i think those guys have had some good moments and, and some misses since then you know we'll see what happens with knox we'll see what happens with mitchell those guys had some flashes to be sure in summer league this year so i moved him up from an f to a d minus with that Mel trade which hadn't actually happened at the time you know i thought that was actually pretty decent so uh but still d minus ain't great
1: the orlando magic they had a kind of a a weird off season because they did a lot on the margins the big move they made was drafting jonathan isaac and one of the guys they drafted him over was dennis smith you and i have been jonathan isaac believers for a while we don't want to cannibalize our summer league stuff with all that the other move that i thought was most notable for them beyond drafting wesawundu and getting their front office with weltman and hammond was signing jonathan simmons i like the simmons contract i actually really like that because of that third year partial guarantee i still like that contract even though he was kind of a weird year for him as it was a weird year for all of them and then the other kind of on the margins moves they signed shelvin Mack, most bates aflalo and kem birch kem birch is the last man standing of that quartet
0: yeah i'd given them a b minus initially i'll move that up to b even though isaac had somewhat of a, a lost season uh they also hired jeff weltman and john hammond who i think uh, have done fine so far you know we'll see how bomba over wendell carter ends up looking although that i it was very close i probably would have made that same decision i certainly don't think that carter looked a lot better than bomba so far uh, we'll see how that turns out uh i'd probably still rather have smith than isaac as you alluded to but you know we don't know that uh of windu looks absolutely terrible uh, in summer league this year i suck in what you said about john simmons being on a good contract and uh you know, we, we thought that the Shelvin Mack signing was a solid one and he didn't play very well, but at least, you know, they didn't commit a ton of money. Uh, they ended up just waving him. He had only a million guaranteed this year. Uh, so, uh, I- I think uh i would move them up to a b if only because they avoided screwing up in some ways uh and uh, signed guys to some good contracts and isaac I, th- I think is still gonna be pretty solid uh, there uh so this but, is interesting because yeah.
1: i moved them down and i'm pretty forceful about it for two reasons okay one is a over ojale bell bolden those type of guys that i think that just looks looks rough now yeah and, and, and i think
0: I, everyone always hated him too i don't know about everyone but i i think like, well and even Frank Mason
1: would have been a better pick for them than a Wundu. Like Mason could have been in their in their point guard rotation. Then the other one, which gets totally lost in the shuffle, was trading trading the pick, the twenty fifth pick, which became Pachetsniks. I'm going to get his name wrong until he's in the NBA. I apologize for that. Future Oklahoma City first. I think that was a major missed opportunity. They could have taken Kuzma or Josh Hart there. Both of whom that wasn't outlandish that they could be taken at twenty five. And either one of those guys would have been an would have been an awesome fit. And that OKC pick just doesn't have mu- It doesn't have upside value because if it if OKC sucks, then it becomes seconds. And and so I, I think that was a, a poor resource for me. I think there were there were guys available. There was fruit there if they had pursued it
0: yeah that's that's a good point i hadn't considered that aspect of it um see so yeah maybe i will just keep them at a at a the same b minus that i had them at
1: yeah so so for reference i moved them from a b to a c minus that was the move that okay I made, which is more severe than i would assume you would make but that's fine but i i, I feel like it is, looks worse now
0: yeah and i thought like getting isaac and not screwing up too badly you know was overall a positive um sixers you gave them an a i gave them an a minus initially i assume you will be downgraded significantly
1: not as significant as some might think i so i give them a b plus the fultz thing is super hard to figure out because i don't think it was foreseeable i mean maybe yeah. a little bit because the, the mental stuff and so i don't think it's necessarily yeah. fair there's some health it, like. questions I mean, we,
0: for him too coming in as well
1: sure sure but like i mean i, I the the way that i saw faults there but the and that and that certainly is the lion's share of the downgrade
0: yeah but to, to other, me it's but more the, it's more about a misevaluation of tatum than it is of a mis
1: I wrote about that too yeah i mean because tatum would have been a wonderful fit with them i mean just throwing him in this rotation would have been pretty awesome
0: um amir johnson at 11 million was pretty rough uh, for last year you know i think they could have done a little better they agreed to that pretty early on you know i mean he's if it's for reference he he re-signed for the minimum this year (laughs) in case you're wondering that's about more like maybe what he could have been paid certainly they maybe could have gotten another guy in uh, as well jj reddick you know i think that was an awesome signing that worked out great Uh, they kept their powder dry for this year yeah it didn't work out for them to get anybody but you know now redick is back again on a cheaper contract uh he was huge for their culture huge for the offense they wanted to run they desperately needed some shooting he provided that we like jonah bolden he had a tough summer this year but you know still a guy with some upside uh as much as you hated that trading away well, so I mean, I, I guess, you know, from their side, it's a little different than the Orlando because they traded that 2020 OKC pick, uh, but then they got Pesachniks, who, you know, we haven't even heard a whiff of him ever coming to the NBA, you know, and... Right.
1: So they yeah. screwed this up, too.
0: Right. That part of it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, and so something else that I wanted to I wanted to mention here, we talked about what Philly did, is that this team was also extremely shallow before the buyout market, and they were nearly, like, their seating was nearly sabotaged by that, that they just didn't have a deep bench, that they were, you know, they lost Gerald Henry. Anderson and and you know a few other guys and yeah that money they gave to to amir johnson like if they had used that better this team wouldn't have had to have to stretch and claw to end up getting just past cleveland and everything that happened so I think that like there there's more negative there and that counts in the offseason grade that they didn't that they got bailed out and the only reason they ended up getting that was because they ended up being better than expected through things that were not a part of the twenty seventeen offseason. Simmons was drafted in sixteen, Joel Embiid, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I gave them a B. I, I think maybe I should move that down a little bit more because I, yeah, I'm gonna move that to a C plus because the the Fultz thing that is there, but also just the opportunity cost with, with Amir Johnson and that they you know they had all, all these lottery tickets on guys like Justin Anderson, who they acquired in the New Orleans Noel trade and all that kind of stuff, but that they didn't get just solid vets to fill out some of this roster and they had the space to do it is a real missed opportunity.
0: The other thing we should mention that they did was they preserved about 15 million dollars in cap space to renegotiate and extend robert covington that enabled them to get him on a contract that is in the low teens going forward for another four years uh that will be a value contract so keeping it that was a that and reddick were both very good moves uh but everything else seemed to to go relatively poorly so and just that folds tatum thing i mean is looking like such a disaster and remember of course that they had to give up that kings the the lakings pick as well so uh i'd have to move them down to a d plus uh from my initial a minus uh the raptors i started them off with a c minus uh i was not pleased that they lost patrick patterson and pj tucker patterson was damaged goods we didn't know that uh, at the time uh og and we liked at the time but he turned into just an unbelievable steal uh, at 23 uh, they traded away to carroll to save on the tax but that ended up only being the 29th pick so that wasn't the end of the world uh, that's uh zan and musa ended up being that pick uh ibaka was retained at three years 65 million lowry was retained at three years 90 million or so with some incentives that could get it to 100 i, I think actually lowry is a fine deal where it was and not doing the years for those guys ibaka and eh, you know what i mean if i if i wanted to throw in uh the idea that maybe you could have paid Tucker more and just not brought back Ibaka, but that was always part of the deal when they traded for a that they were going to sign him to a contract and Tucker, supposedly they offered more than the Rockets, but uh, they lost him anyway. Um, in retrospect, not being willing to pay the tax for this team was a mistake because they were contenders. But, I mean, they made moves that got them to winning 59 games. Yeah, they didn't get it done in the playoffs. But, you know, I think unambiguously this is a pretty good uh, offseason. I had given them a C- initially because of those guys that they lost. And uh my new grade for them is a B plus. Also, they extended Norman Powell. They gave him the Josh Richardson at 4 for 42 and that you know that's not looking too great right now he was out of the rotation last year so that's that was one of the reasons i and not retaining tucker those are the only reasons i didn't give them just a straight up a but b plus is still a a big upgrade from where i had them you liked them better though initially
1: i did i i had it at a b minus i thought that they were i didn't like the way that they were didn't get anything for Corey joseph i just thought that the combination of player and contract there was reasonable you know i I still think that was still fine and what i find they did sign cj miles
0: though uh which yeah
1: they basically, yeah, that, that, yeah, they signed him with the mid level exception. That was kind of the space that was created by trading Corey Joseph. I believe yeah. it was technically structured as a trade and a signing for some for some structural reason.
0: Yeah, but and I thought what, also what I real quickly uh, that yeah, sure. they upgraded from the guys that we were critical of them for losing by just like right having internal that's what that's exactly
1: where i was going was that like this offseason worked out better than i expected but not for the reason i expected because i would i would say that right now lowry and abaka look like worse contracts than they did when they were signed not necessarily saying lowry's a bad contract i, I disagree I on lowry
0: i thought he held up better than expected last year he had a good play uh, I,
1: maybe maybe i was more optimistic about i was more optimistic about what he he, he was fine i mean certainly but i thought DeRozan didn't to DeRozan and did more of the heavy lifting during the regular season last year than I had anticipated, and Larry was fine. I mean, certainly certainly not anything wrong there. But I still big supporter of giving those guys, you know, basically the years part of that being as reasonable as it was, and I think that's going to set the table for some very interesting things for the Raptors moving forward. But that they had pieces in house to replace Patterson, Joseph, Tucker, and Carroll that were that were already there for the most part is it, fantastic. Ananobi was a great pick. They were for- fortunate that he fell to them, but But they got him and you you always deserve credit for that and so yeah i i kept i, I moved it up from a b minus to a b plus for me and they did have the best record while staying under the tax which in the east which is which is pretty impressive though they got the best record in no small part because boston's just horrendous injury luck you know boston was a little bit healthier if that if the if the injury health had been even moderate between the two of those teams boston would have had the better better seating though you could argue that didn't work out for toronto because then that put cleveland on the same side so yeah uh, it worked out beautifully for Masai. some of that was good fortune some of that was just knowing that they had good young guys but yeah they did really well
0: yeah they also actually elected to retain Dwayne Casey which he did win coach of the year although he also got fired Mm -hmm. because he wasn't good enough in the playoffs um let's finish up with the wizards here well you actually that's else. that's
1: an interesting question to talk about if could they have done better than nick nurse we don't know nick nurse is kind of a mystery box at this point but like we'll have to wonder let's look at look at this like a year from now would they have been better with two years of coach x than one year of casey the turmoil there and hiring Nick nurse
0: coach x is always better than the incumbent coach <laughs> as as a member of the nba media i am required to say that a new coach is always better than who's there now uh i mean it it would have been difficult to imagine that anyone could have coached them to a better record than they had in the regular season last year than casey that's for sure
1: that's for damn sure yeah
0: um so the
1: last team the washington wizards the wizards did a couple of big things and i think these need to be made plain at the beginning so the first big thing they did in chronologically was that they matched a max offer sheet on auto porter and then the second big one they did later in the summer was giving john wall a super max extension and we had both of those in our grades i i think the wall thing was in like mid to late july does that sound about right yes so i gave them a d plus at the time i criticized their vision i mean it, it wasn't a surprise that porter got the max but then that led to all these other kind of spillover things in terms of lecture tax including letting bogdanovich go he got a reasonable contract with the pacers but they couldn't they, they couldn't or didn't sign him i think he actually would have really helped them and the only things they spent on were jody meeks and tim frazier i liked the tim frazier signing better than the jody meeks yeah. signing well
0: they actually traded for tim frazier yeah, uh, yeah the number true. 52 pick which we thought was good but frazier didn't really contribute that much so they, and then they, they got they ended
1: up getting that production from sataransky and so i went from a d plus to a d minus i think the wall contract is just this massive albatross now and what has changed my thinking on this is i was so worried about the downside risk of of they probably would have been trading him the summer if they hadn't already traded him in february but and john Wall's a good player certainly i mean he's, he's a good basketball player they would be worse in all likelihood after that trade but they're stuck now they're really really stuck now and i don't think where they're stuck is worth is worth that sort of a cost so that's why i moved them down from from a d plus to a d minus
0: i did the same and that porter situation you know they could have david falk is uh difficult to negotiate with when restricted free agency is involved sometimes that's To folks' benefit, sometimes it isn't, but. Maybe it would have been better for them if they could have just come to an agreement without forcing Porter to go get that offer sheet, uh which now is a fifteen percent trade bonus, three plus one uh, as well. Uh, I just want to see kind of what Porter looks like next summer when the market normalizes. uh They certainly, if had they let him go, the reason that they had to sign Wall to this deal, although there's, there I don't know that they had that much pressure for that. You know, they could have, and Wall didn't make all NBA this year. You know, see that that was one of the things, right? It's like he was only eligible for this brief window in time for the designated player veteran extension and he wouldn't have been eligible this summer but why rush it when you know you either you're going to sign someone to this crazy high contract who then doesn't make all nba and isn't eligible for it the next year well it's probably not gonna be a good contract if he didn't play that well again the next year so uh The need to do that two years earlier, I mean, it's kind of like, oh, we have this tool. We better do this. But there's this idea, all right, we got to keep this team together. We were just the four seed. We lost in game seven of the second round, although to a pretty mediocre Boston team. And then same thing with Porter, right? Oh, we can't lose this guy for nothing. Like we're a contender in these. Well, they were the eighth seed this year, you know, and Wall was injured. And Porter, you know, I don't think he's ever going to have the amount of growth defensively that's going to make him worth that contract. In my opinion, he really would have to be more of a stopper to get there. They also let uh Boyan Bogdanovich go uh, for tax reasons, but they kind of made this decision to go for it instead of like, ah, oh, you know, we've got like some good players here in Wall and Beal, but maybe we need to try to rejigger the core around them a little bit. And now they got Dwight Howard, but, you know, I don't think anyone is thinking of them as a contender in the East, and they're sort of locked into this team for a while going forward. So they went for it. I think they were a little bit too optimistic on where they were, and they were just unwilling to take a step back for this year, but to make themselves, make more competitive in the three to four years going forward instead they're like oh we can't take a step back we have got to do all these moves to make sure that we don't do that and now you're they ended up taking a step back anyway despite saying oh we got to make these moves so we don't take a step back and now they also have no flexibility going forward they're projecting as a tax team for quite some time and you know you have to imagine that a john wall trade or a beale trade or you know something major is going to have to happen here now and and if they didn't want to take a step back before now they're really going to take a step back they have to trade one of those guys
1: yeah i i think that's all that's all definitely true yeah so if uh, i didn't it, say
0: that i moved him from a d plus to a d minus so if i i can't remember i okay. said that or not so i think we had identical I, I don't, situation there
1: yeah hive mind yeah we didn't we didn't talk about these at all um do you have anything else i have a couple of plugs
0: yeah yeah let's hear
1: so I, I'm thankfully getting to do more writing now. So I, I wrote for The Athletic. I did a breakdown of the Schroeder-Anthony, that whole trade. And then I also did one of the Kawhi Leonard move. And then I also have a piece that's coming out probably Tuesday, might be Wednesday, on the Kawhi trade from the Warriors' perspective for the Athletic Bay Area, which was an interesting thought experiment to kind of go through the pluses and minuses both ways for them. And I have a bunch of other stuff on the horizon, but also Real Gym Radio with Tim Bontemps. We went through all the big moves of last week and live reaction to the michael beasley signing because that happened while we were recording so that was fun all
0: right thanks so much for listening we'll be back uh in a couple days here with our second episode this week we're doing two episodes a week but uh i hope two hours of an episode is enough so we're not really actually cutting back apparently on the number of hours we're recording just the number of episodes uh but thanks again for listening and we'll talk to y'all later in the week till then